Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Well, what a weekend that was. What a way to kick off 2022. The Utes play an incredibly entertaining game. Had a chance, obviously, to win. Had multiple chances to win when you're up by 14 points. Not once, not twice, not three times, but four times. Well, you had your chances to win. But they couldn't do it. They couldn't get stops. Ohio State figured, hey, wait a minute, why are we running the ball? Why don't we throw the ball? And why don't we make sure we don't throw at their best defensive back? Because everybody else is on roller skates back there. So, heck of a game. Wildly entertaining. Bitterly disappointed to lose at the end. You know, what could have been done down the stretch differently? Um, Kyle played the odds. But he had the weaker hand. So I think that, you know, if you want to go back and second guess, something had to be done to flip the odds. Uh, there were multiple choices there. He talked about a couple of them in the post game. You'll hear that coming up. Uh, go for two and put the pressure on them so they're playing behind instead of tied so they can be a little loose. Hey, if we don't get it here, we can get it in overtime. But we got time to get it here. Uh, onside the kick, so you can get the ball back so you never put them on a the field. Are the odds against you? Yes. But you're playing the weaker hand. So... You need something, you know, you, you need to get a little lucky. You need something to come up right. Um, obviously, timeouts. I think that's one most people are going, hey, use the timeouts. Which, you know, if you use a timeout on second down and then you get a sack on third down, maybe you have helped them. Uh, so that's why Kyle said he didn't do that. And then I think the other thing is let him score. And I think that combination of go for the onside kick, see if you get it. If not, they got a short field to score on, but you're more likely to get the ball back. And let them score once they're down inside the 20. Don't stop them. Don't let them run the clock down like that. Would any of those things worked? My guess is no. But, uh, you know, roll the dice and, you know, second guess on the radio, which is what we're doing now. Um, so many great plays in that game. The entertainment factor, oh my gosh, it was outstanding. And as Kyle is going to tell you coming up next, the arrow's up. I mean, they're losing some impact players. They're losing Britton Covey and they're losing Devin Lloyd. But uh, as Kyle's going to tell you, 72 guys coming back as freshmen or sophomore. Holy cow. Team's going to be young again. But Cam Rising's got experience now. They open the season with the Gators, Florida, in the swamp. Looking forward to it already, even though it's... Uh, Eight long months away. All right. That was the uh, football and basketball. We got the best of the Jazz postgame show coming up. Man, the Jazz played well, and the Warriors looked great. That was an outstanding third quarter by the Jazz. They had the lead. They had momentum going into the fourth quarter, and the Warriors didn't blink. And that's the Warriors without Draymond Green. That's the Warriors without Klay Thompson. Wiggins, my gosh, has he grown up or what? Have And... and I mean, the Warriors, they, they've they coached up several young guys there. But Wiggins, to me, is the one that stands out because I think Wiggins is the one who's going to have to play big minutes in the playoffs at the end of games. And he was the second option against the Jazz. The pressure will be greater in the playoffs, obviously. But he could be the third or fourth option there. So the Warriors, they look awfully good, man. They're winning 80% of the games. they got the best record in the NBA by a half game over the Suns, two and a half over the Jazz. And they're going to get some really good players back. <laughs> they're going to get better. And they're 3-1 and one against the Jazz and Suns this year. How are the Warriors not the heavy favorite right now? And I know there's a long way to go, and we don't know who's going to be healthy, and we've seen health flip during the NBA Finals and change the outcome of the Finals. So it's not like anything's written in stone, because it isn't. But man, do the Warriors look good right now. Got the best of the postgame show coming up. And then there's the NFL playoffs. Down to the final week. There are some big games. There are flexing games left and right. The Raiders and Chargers are going to have a 
one and done, who gets an AFC wild card and who goes home. They're going to play Sunday night in primetime on NBC. Chiefs and Broncos are Saturday. So are the Cowboys and the Eagles. ESPN and ABC getting a doubleheader on Saturday. The Cowboys, man, that was not impressive in that loss to Arizona. Good grief. They are really mediocre when they get outside the division. That division's bad, and they dominate the division. They've deserved to win the division. But they're not going to be playing playoff games inside the division. And that Arizona team, that could easily be the wild card weekend matchup. Not sure I feel real good right now if I were the Cowboys. Man, the uh, the Vikings were shorthanded, so Green Bay just mauled them. The Bucks really sweating with the Jets. Zach Wilson has been playing better the last four to six weeks, without question. And he had them up 24 to 10. I don't know what they were doing on the quarterback sneak at the end of the game. That did not make any sense to me whatsoever. None. Quarterback sneak. Kick a field goal and go up by seven. Run that end around. You had the guy in motion. Run that fly sweep there and see if you get the first down there. Just didn't make any sense to me. All right, we'll have more on the NFL coming up. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Coming up next, more from the Rose Bowl. Stay with us. Good morning. It's DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Well, the Rose Bowl is in the books. It was thrilling. It was exciting. It was ultimately disappointing and frustrating. But uh, sounds like... Most of the fans went down there, thought it was worth the trip, and they had an awesome time. It would have only been better if they had found a way to beat Ohio State. They got that lead to two touchdowns so many times. And, you know, they forced the fumble in the end zone when it looked like Ohio State was about to score there late in the second quarter. And that was a pretty good drive. A touchdown there if you get up by three scores. You know, at some point, is Ohio State down far enough they give up? I don't know. Maybe it's just wishing. Boy, the one thing we learned for sure. Well, two things. We knew that Ohio State had to replace a lot of receivers. We didn't know Utah was so thin in the defensive backfield. I mean, we knew it wasn't great, but we didn't know that Makai Bernard was going to be going on offense and defense, playing both sides of the ball. We didn't know that. Uh, and then even if they'd had their guys, it's hard to believe. Uh, I mean, Olave's great, right? But would he have played better than Marvin Harrison Jr.? I mean, that guy, three touchdown catches, he had a game. He played very well. So, I don't know. A lot of stuff to go over. We could spend the morning going over it. There was a, uh, a lot of things that happened in that game. After the game, uh, the press conference, which we're going to play for you right now, you'll hear from Devin Lloyd and from Britton Covey. Covey with the two touchdowns, caught the pass for the game's first score, and then had that electric kickoff return. That was just incredible. Um, he's going to get emotional here talking about what Utah means to him. You'll hear his voice crack. And you know how tight this team is because Devin Lloyd sees him starting to melt down and you can't, you won't see it because obviously it's on the radio here, but in the video you could see Devin reach over and, you know, give him the fist, give him below the table there and kind of pick him up. And then you will hear him pick up the answer there so that Britain doesn't have to talk anymore and he can compose himself. Also, Kyle Whittingham at the podium. And while those guys are looking back, Kyle gets asked uh, by Josh Newman from the Trib to look ahead to next year and listen to the numbers he gives. And listen to his take on next year's team. There are obviously some very good players to replace. There are also an astounding number of players returning. All right, here's the uh, podium, the press conference, after Ohio State wins the Rose Bowl 48-45 with Devin Lloyd, Britton Covey, and head coach Kyle Whittingham. Sure, the fans and the networks got their money's worth out of that one. It was a heck of a football game. Give credit to Ohio State. Uh, They played exceptionally well, particularly on offense. Uh, that quarterback is terrific, statistically the best in the country as far as the uh, quarterback rating system, and he proved it tonight. Um, proud of our guys. Proud of our guys. They got absolutely nothing to hang their head about. 
They fought uh, entire 60 minutes, came up short, but uh, still made Utah football history this year, Pac-12 champions, which had never been done uh, in our program. And so I uh, told them that exact same thing in the locker room. They got nothing to hang their heads about. It's been a terrific season. Uh, yeah, we're all disappointed that we didn't win the game uh, this, this afternoon, but uh, that's how life goes. And so, again, give all the credit to uh, Ohio State. And uh, like I said, they're very talented, and uh, we just didn't have quite enough in the tank uh, tonight to get the job done. So, thank you, there Coach. You go. We're going to open up the floor for questions. Please raise your hand and we'll have a mic run to you. And please state your name and media outlet when asking a question. We'll start right here in the front. Uh, Josh Newman, Salt Lake Tribune. Kyle, on the final Ohio State drive, you had all three timeouts. Was there any thought to using one or multiple of them? Yeah, if we could have got them behind the chains at least one time. But other than that, all we'd have been doing is helping their cause. You know, they were making first downs or second and short. And, and they only had one timeout left, so they had to – I didn't want to help them out. It was kind of a catch-22, but had we got them behind the chain, second and long, third and long, then uh, absolutely. And it was in the back of my mind. But, but the way the drive unfolded, um, I don't know if we got them to third now one time, but, but uh, it was uh, certainly in my mind. But when they only had one timeout, they couldn't afford to you know, stop on the clock for them. And certain scenarios, particularly in short yardage, would have been uh, detrimental. Okay, we have a question in the middle. Kyle, uh, Patrick Kinahan, The Zone Sports Network. I'm thinking I want to get your opinion on it. This quarterback, best you guys have faced maybe since Justin Herbert a couple years ago? I would say that's probably accurate. The kid is tremendous. Um, and like I said, the QBR, which is the quarterback uh, rating system that ESPN uses, which in my estimation is the most accurate and the most uh, telling of uh, statistics for uh, for determining how well your quarterback's playing, he leads the nation, and I think you saw it tonight. Why? Okay, the question here in the green. Josh Furlong, KSL.com. Kyle, what happened with Cam Rising there? Did he get knocked out, or kind of, and how's he doing? Well, I don't think he ever lost consciousness. I wasn't there right when he hit the turf. Obviously, I came out shortly thereafter, but uh, he's doing fine now, according to what uh, the post game report was. Um, Unless something that we don't know about, uh, you know, materializes, we, he should be okay. And uh, speaking of that, couldn't be more proud of what Bryson Barnes did when he came in, came into a tough situation and led the team right down the field for the uh, tying touchdown. Uh, had an inclination to go for two right then, but uh, too much time left on the clock. Had there been under a minute, would have gone for two. That was the mindset. But they had a full two minutes and... Uh, you know, the analytics said not to do it either at that point. So, so we just went for one. But, but uh, Cam will be okay and proud of Bryson Barnes for what he did. We have a question from the gentleman in the gray. Trevor, on KSL Sports uh, for Britain and for Devin. Um, what are the emotions going through your head right now that, now that you guys have played your last game as a U? Just, uh, <clears throat> just a lot to take in. Um, it's starting to hit me finally, you know. I don't want to take my pads off. <laughs> um, just proud of this team and this program, this university. I, I just have a great love for the University of Utah. And Sorry. Um, She's great. 
Yeah, um, just like Cubby was saying, um, it's obviously very frustrating, uh, especially coming up that short. But, you know, I think Coach Witt hit on the locker room. We've accomplished so much this year. And we banded together, you know, as a brotherhood, you know, this year. So it's obviously frustrating, very frustrating um, to come up this short. But that doesn't take away anything that we've accomplished this year and, you know, all the success that we've had this year. Let's have a question from uh, the gentleman in the back in the blue. Britton, this is uh, Kevin Nunn with BuckeyeScoop.com. Were you shocked that Ohio State kept kicking off to you and kind of walk us through your kickoff return? Yeah, well, <clears throat> I, I had an inkling that we might have a few opportunities this game just based off of sea level, how far he kicks it. Um, if you notice, after that kickoff return, they started kicking it short, trying to kick it to our up fullback. They kicked it out of bounds one time. So I think after that, they started to, you know, I was surprised that very last one, but then they kind of just played a prevent, kind of contain. Um, but that's usually what happens with returners is beginning of the season, first three or four games, you get some chances, and then after that, people stop kicking to you. So um, I, think, I think the only reason why is because we were at sea level or, or wherever, and it doesn't travel as far. We have a question from Steve up front. For Kyle, Steve Futterman from CBS News. I, w I wanted to ask you, you brought this up about the idea of if the timing had been different, you might have gone for two. Was there any idea about trying to s milk the, the clock down so you would have that last chance, or was just too much time left in your situation? Yeah. I know it's sort of a, a catch-22. You would like to slow right. it down, but you have momentum going. Yeah, the latter. Uh, and with Bryson in there, very little experience. Uh, we don't want to put any more strategic stuff on his plate than we had to. And so, like I said, I thought he did a great job of engineering that drive, got us in the end zone. And, you know, at some point we got to play defense and we just didn't play very well all night long on defense. It wasn't our usual. And uh, thought, uh, thought sure we would be able to get a stop. And it all started with poor coverage on the kickoff. Our kickoff unit all night long uh, just wasn't up to, up to par where we needed to be. And, uh, put us in bad field position several times, and that was one of them, and unfortunately that was the game winner. We have a question up front here in the green, and then we'll go to the blue. Yeah, Kyle, obviously you had uh, Makai Bernard on both sides of the ball. Was there any any decision to have him play both there? And then also, how do you feel like that all went with having him as the starting corner? Well, we felt he was our best option at corner. You know, we had th three of our top four corners down, but that's you know no excuse because you got to play with who you got healthy. But Makai, we moved him over from running back. And again, we thought he was the best option after evaluating uh, things in practice. Uh, yeah, it was the plan to play him sparingly on offense, uh, full-time on defense, sparingly on O, and absolutely no special teams work with the exception of uh, he was the off-returner on kickoff return for the first couple. Then we subbed him out on that as well. But, but uh, yeah, Makai, uh, he gave us everything he had, and uh, we appreciate his courage for making that change. You know, hadn't played defensive back since high school and and uh, to be willing to do that for us, uh, proud of him. Very proud of him. Question up here in the blue. Uh, two questions, Kyle, if you'll, if you'll bear with me. Um, you know it, you have some idea of what's coming back next season. You know what's coming in. Is there reason to believe that there could be a, a similar level of success next season, just knowing what you have? Well, we're excited about the youth and the talent on this football team. Uh, we went through the roster the other day, and it was 72 of our 
85 scholarship guys are scheduled to be freshmen or sophomores. <laughs> Again, you know, we're we almost in the same boat as this year. And uh, many, many of those guys are playing for us already, particularly on defense. And so we're optimistic about the future. Can we repeat? I mean, I think it's too early to talk about any of that right now. But uh, we do like the level of talent, particularly the young talent on this football team. And, and uh, looking forward to working with them uh, starting this winter. And just to clarify, was Bryson number two, and was Jack Quinden available tonight? JJ was available, but Bryson was number two. Yep. We have time for two more questions. We have one up here in the front with the white jacket. Hi, John W. Davis with the Southern California News Group. Uh, this question is for all of you. What is it about Utah football for Coach and Devin and Britton that makes you guys never quit? Um, I think it starts with um, the culture that, you know, Coach Witt sets and uh, he establishes in each and every one of us. Um, and then from the top down, it's just a matter of everybody buying in, you know, assistant coaches buying in, players buying in. And, I mean, it's really, you know, the type of guys that they recruit, you know, we have that underdog mindset where, you know, we're never out of it. And even the higher-rated guys, I mean, it's just, you know, those are the type of guys that he wants in the program and those are the type of guys he gets. And then it's a matter of just – really buying in I think uh, I think this season is kind of a good metaphor for our team right starting off one and two losing a couple of our teammates um, battling back through everything and uh, I think it's just a good metaphor for our team and for life uh, I think uh, the reason why our program has that that identity is because of the stability that coach Witts brought to it we kind of just feed off of him and then like Devin said most of us are you know one or two star guys coming out of high school <laughs> a lot of us are and three star guys and uh, you kind of carry that with you and, and band together yeah just to echo what these guys uh, their comments uh, they have a warrior like mentality on this football team and warriors don't quit that's just the bottom line uh, there's a great deal of mental toughness uh, on our squad, and uh, it, you know, and, and the, the players that we recruit into the program learn from the guys that are already there. The standard is set. We have a saying: the standard is the standard, and that's what the expectation is. And the new recruits that come into our program become us. We don't become them; they become us. And we're a mentally tough, physically tough outfit. That's just uh, what we pride ourselves on. We have one last question from the gentleman in the Bruins jersey. Back left. Hey, Eric Lampkins, the second Culver City Observer. Um, the passion that you all play with is evident. Result, throw it out the window. What is it that you guys love about the game of football? I'm so, who's that directed to? I'm For all of you. Go ahead, guys. What do you love about the game of football? Oof. That someone my size can go against someone his size. <laughs> I think that's what I love about football. It's just, you know, you look at someone like Bam Olaseni, uh, you know, what, 6'8", 340 or whatever, and then you look at me, like 5'2", 120, and you just, you put them on the same field, and, and you each kind of have a niche, and you, and you uh, I think that's, what's, that's what I love about it. It gives everybody an opportunity, no matter what body type or whatever it is, it just... It's the ultimate team game where you just take a bunch of different types of players, types of people um, from different backgrounds even in life, and you just put them together and say, make it work. 
Um, starting off for me, you know, when I was first started playing football, you know, I really just played it because I enjoyed it. It was fun, but as the years have progressed, I've really found how much actually comes with football. The, you know, the brotherhood, you know, I mean, that's something that lasts forever. And the life, le- the life lessons that it teaches you. So, I mean, football has really changed me as a man just because, you know, it's made me hone in on all the little details and, I mean, Everything translates from the game to real life, you know, so I would just say I love football because of everything that comes with it. Yeah, for me, uh, you know, it's the ultimate team sport, as Britt said. The intricate strategies within the game are so complex. I don't think even well-versed, you know, fans don't understand. Unless they've played the game, you just don't understand it. Um, it's it's a, a sport where you rely so heavily on each other, uh, and you got so many different body types, like like Britt said. Um, but for me, you know, I've been around it since I was two years old. My father played professionally; he was a coach. I got into coaching after I played. I mean, it's been part of my life forever. But what I will say is uh, the chance to develop these young men. And I'm not talking about on the field. We have, we take two, three star players and develop them, and and uh, end up having a lot of them drafted and being able to make a career of this game. But if that's all we did, then we failed. And so our main objective is to develop them as people. And there's so many lessons to be learned in football, uh, discipline, work ethic, attitude, sacrifice, everything that you learn that can carry them through the rest of their lives is far more important to me than any development that occurs on the field. And so it's, uh, you know, that's, that's my take on that. All right, there is the post game from the press conference. The other big game on Saturday, the Jazz and the Warriors, two of the top three teams in the NBA squaring off. And we'll get to the best of the post game show next. Stay with us. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. The Utah Jazz play a great third quarter, stormed the lead over the Warriors, and Golden State is resilient. Golden State is talented. Man, Golden State, these guys are winning 80% of their games, and they are now 3-1 and one against the Suns and the Jazz. They are very good. And they didn't have Draymond Green. And they're getting Klay Thompson back. I mean, they're not playing their best ball yet. Now, you can argue the Jazz aren't either, and the Suns would probably argue they aren't either. And we'll see who's healthy and how this shakes up when they get to the postseason. Man, were the Warriors impressive. They were very impressive. Here's Quinn Snyder after the game. Hey, Coach, what was um, your synopsis of of the offensive possessions? Uh, down the stretch you know, in, the t- in, in the five minutes that, that really decided? Well, I, I, you know, we put ourselves in a position, I think, um, based on we figured some things out, I thought, in the third quarter. And, you know, it felt like we got a little tired late. Um, they were physical with us. Um, you know, it's you, you, you got to work to get good shots. I thought we got some good ones, you know, and um, – we're 14 of 44 from three. We hit a few more threes. You know, we shoot the ball a little bit better. Um, I'd have to watch the tape, Tony, to kind of give you the play-by-play, um, you know, on, on all those possessions. But I, I think one of the biggest things for us is, you know, even when the game's late for us to continue to try to run and space the floor so that we can we can attack in space. Um, they're, they're so long. You know, I thought their length, um, you know, particularly when we didn't have as much space, you know, really played an impact um, because they're able to to do some unique things. 
uh, on the ball. You know, I thought their, their on the ball defense was just terrific and you could really feel it early in the game. Um, I thought we adjusted to that uh, as the game went on. You know, when I look at the fourth, I, you know, there's some free throws at the end, but I, I, I didn't think we were able to get stops, which makes everything harder. You know, if we can get some stops, maybe we can get out and go. But, you know, I, I, I don't look at this game and, and think lack of execution at the end of the game um, was the difference in the game. You know, I thought, you know, they're a unique team and they're going to force you. Um, you're going to have some breakdowns. Um, a few things that we were a step too late or went over and we should have gone under. And, you know, they're a team, especially with Steph late, you know, you top lock him, he comes up the inside on a handoff, gets the handoff and shoots a three over, you know, a seven footer, you, you tip your hat. Um, but that means you got to do all the other things and not have breakdowns in other situations. Cause frankly, that that's going to happen. You know, he's proven that, that he does that. Um, but I also thought, you know, Porter, Wiggins, Peyton, you know, those guys, Looney, those guys played really well, you know, and they deserve to win the game. But, you know, by no means that I feel like, you know, we were, you know, in some respects, the fact that we, you know, really struggled, I thought, in the first half and then came out in the third quarter, um, you know, and did some things a little differently you know, that allowed us to create a little more, um, you know, I, I was pleased with that. And obviously, like I said, we didn't sustain it. And part of the reason we didn't sustain it, you know, was our defense, our defense in the fourth quarter. And that's actually been, you know, a strength. We've, we've, our defense has improved throughout the course of a game, but, you know, I, I thought, uh, I thought it wasn't a perfect game, but I thought it was, a, you know, a really competitive high level game. Well, you with uh, Hassan out tonight, you had to go to a lot of kind of extended looks with uh, small ball lineups, Rudy Gay at the five. Um, what did you see in those stretches? And comparatively, you know, obviously we know Rudy Gobert is one of the best defenders on the planet. What made the stretches where he was in there that much more effective defensively? Well, I think it's kind of self-explanatory that when Rudy's, Rudy Gobert is in the game that, you know, he's able to do some things that, that are that are unique and, and impact the game. And, you know, we're able to defend with, you know, certain schemes that try to take advantage of that. Um, you know, they hurt us with him in the game with um, middle pick and roll. There was a few times early where Looney just got to the rim and, you know, that's on our whole group for not being pulled in and shifted. So we had, you know, those were the types of breakdowns that against a team like this is, you know, it's harder to overcome. And, you know, we haven't played that lineup a lot. We've played it in practice. Um, you know, it's clear that, you know, the, that, that group, you know, hasn't, doesn't have the same continuity. I, I don't, I don't think that would be, you know, expected right now. Um, but obviously, you know, that, 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 that group, you know, being thrown into that situation, particularly on the defensive end, um, you know, is challenging for, for everyone. Andy Larson. Offensively, they really locked you guys down uh, in the first quarter and really in the first half, really. Uh, and then third quarter, you guys did get more open looks and figured things out. What kind of change there? Well, I think, you know, like I said, the, we, we, were, we weren't able to get the ball into the paint 
Um, you know, I thought a lot of that started on the ball, um, you know, with their length, with their quickness, they were physical on the ball, um, you know, and really dictated where we weren't getting good things in pick and roll. They were blitzing JC, um, you know, our spacing wasn't great to get off. We've, we've handled the blitz really well, but when you get blitz on the sideline, um, you know, it, it's tougher to get off the ball and take advantage of the two-on-one. So, you know, I, I think those things played a factor. Um, in the second half, we, we were able to open the floor up more. Um, and in large part, um, you know, because we ran more, you know, if, if we can – we can sprint and get down the floor and create spacing early in a possession. You know, it gives our guards a chance to get to the rim, to play in space, to get in the lane and then create. Um, and, and that to me was probably the biggest difference. And then I thought, you know, we ran out of gas a little bit, particularly when, you know, when you're, when they're scoring, it, it's obviously much harder to run. And, you know, that's something that we know, we need to do throughout the course of the game. And I didn't think we were committed to that, um, you know, on, on a possession to possession basis where it was just, it's gotta be so important to us because there, there's a chain reaction there, particularly with our team. There's Quinn Snyder. Here's Rudy Gobert. Hey Rudy. So um, obviously you guys had a ton of success in the third quarter and then things changed bit dramatically in the fourth kind of what was the what was the difference on both ends of the ball as the game uh got into the closing stretch um uh, i think on defense you know we in the third we're getting stops in the fourth uh not as much you know and uh, obviously we had a few turnovers that kind of hurt us and and bring, brought them back in the game but you know uh yeah, they hit, they hit a few shots. I mean, some of the guys that, you know, uh, are not as good as shooters hit some shots too. Uh, you know, they, they, they earned it. They earned it. And, you know, it's, uh, uh, they did a good job, you know, uh, making the shots, the, the tough shots, you know, that, that we're giving them. Eric, do you have one more? Or? Yeah, I'll, I've got a follow-up. Um, with Hassan out tonight, we saw lots of opportunity for you guys to kind of go with the small ball lineup when you were out. Um, it remains a work in progress. Kind of what do you see as like the biggest areas where that lineup uh, still has room for improvement? Um, I mean, on both ends, I think, you know, it's, it's not a lineup that we – we do a lot. So obviously, you know, it's, it's not always easy, especially on, on Rudy, uh, being at the five out there, you know, and, and having to do a lot, uh, you know, defensively and offensively. So it's, you know, it's, uh, yeah, we can, we can learn and hopefully, you know, every game is an opportunity for us to learn and, and, and get better at it, you know, but, uh, yeah, not having Hassan obviously is, uh, you know, with the way we play, um, it, it hurt us tonight for sure. Sarah Todd? Rudy, do you think at all about, about how the next time that you see them, they might look completely different, you know, with Draymond and Clay in the lineup? Yeah, you know, I mean, uh, of course, you know, they're missing some guys. Uh, 
Steph Curry is there, you know, and obviously everything everything they do uh, revolves around him. And, and obviously Drummond, uh, you know, makes guys around him better too uh, on both ends. So it's, uh, yeah, it's, it, it will be a different game. You know, I, I think we, we can play much better as a team. And, you know, obviously we, we had guys, uh, I mean, we played last night. We, uh, yeah, every game, every night is different, you know, uh, and for us it's really uh, keep getting better. You know, and then yeah, keep keep learning. You know, uh, learning about different situations, learning about how we can you know be better defensively against this team and offensively, and uh, and uh, and yeah, they play they play well. You know, you gotta give them credit. They, they every single guy that they have, you know, is buying in, and and they 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 all play really hard defensively and offensively. They all you know play their role really well, and and Steph is making all those guys you know better and. You know, and 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 it's yeah, it's a good basketball team. Andy Larson, kind of a specific question, but when Andre Iguodala hit that three at the end of the game, you know he's a twenty percent three point shooter. Is that one that you wish you would have closed out on more, or are you just like, hey, you know, tip your cap because it's a you know low percentage shooter making that shot? I mean, uh, basketball, you got to play the, the percentages. Uh, obviously, uh, I try to not give him the easiest shot, so I, I closed down on him. He had to make a pump fake, and, and then he shot it. Uh, everybody knows that uh, when you shoot like that, it's not the easiest of the shot, but he, he made it. So he, once again, you got to give him credit. Uh, my role was to make sure that, you know, he's not able to hit somebody on the back door or... You know, uh, if if he hands it off to Steph, then I'm, I'm able to help. Uh, once again, you know, in, in basketball, you can't guard everything. You gotta give something away. We we chose to give that away, and and he made us pay. So, all credit to him. You know. Sir Todd, Rudy, you've got a. a- a tough month coming up where you're, you're playing against a lot of, you know, the top five teams in both conferences this uh, just through the next few weeks. Um, do you feel like you guys are ready for a stretch like that? I don't know. I mean, it's, it's basketball. We well, hopefully we'll survive, you know, but yeah, uh, one game at a time, uh, no matter who we play every night is an opportunity to, to get better and to win. And, you know, it's uh, as long as we keep taking care of ourselves, stay healthy, you know, I think we will be in great shape. Right, we have time for one more question from Holly Rowe. Hey, Rudy, I wanted to know, you know, this Golden State, Phoenix, the teams that are at the top of the standings in the West, everybody's really looking forward to these matchups. How do you take away from these experiences and learn, but also keep your eye on these are the teams we're going to have to beat down the road for, you know, the playoffs and to get what you want. How do you balance both of these mindsets? I think, I think it's just about being in the moment, you know, and uh, once again, obviously those games uh, mean a little more because of the rankings and because if we win those games, we got a chance to be the first seed in the, in the West, which is pretty good in a play, in a, in a, in a playoff picture. But at the same time, you know, if we lose those games, we always learn, we always learn, you know, whether we win or we lose, we learn. And, you know, and we know that, uh, we know very well that being the first seed doesn't mean that you're going to win a championship. So, 
you know, it's all about what we learn, how we, you know, how we keep getting better as a team. And, and you know, hopefully we, we get, obviously we want the home court advantage and all that, but when it's going to be playoff time, it's when we're going to have to play our best basketball. There's Rudy Gobert after the Jazz lose to the Warriors Saturday night. Now here's Mike Conley. Hey, Mike. So um, there's been a lot made about, you know, what Golden State does defensively and just like the problems they present with how long and switchable they are. Kind of what makes them so difficult to play against? Uh, Yeah, they have uh, a lot of athletic, you know, long wings and, um, and bigs that can, you know, stretch out and guard. you know, one through four, one through five. And uh, when that happens, you know, they, they're able to kind of get you out of your, your sets um, early to where you just kind of have to, to try to find ways to break the paint and make the ball move and not let it stick. Um, they do a good job of getting their hands uh, in passing lanes and, and causing turnovers and getting out in transition, which leads to, you know, easier buckets for, uh, you know, all their guys. So, uh, give them credit. They're they're you know very very good defensively and and you know even without guys who are in the lineup now. Sure, Todd. Mike, you've got a, a tough January schedule coming up. Um, I'm wondering when you when you have like a lot of games bunched together against like top contending teams, does that create different opportunities for you? Well, I, th- I think they're. They're always great opportunities when we get to play against the, the best in the league, um, especially when we consider ourselves to be in that conversation. We want to to compete against those guys and um, and win those games and play in those big games and have those moments because those are the teams that you know we're going to have to match up with when you know the time comes uh, in the playoffs and um, and we want to try to get to where we're trying to go. So. Um, when we look at this part of the schedule, it's, it's an opportunity for everybody to, to, you know, really test themselves, challenge themselves uh, in every facet of the game. Each game will be different. Tonight we didn't make a lot of shots. The next night we might make a, a whole bunch of shots and and the story might be different. So, I mean, it's just, um, you know, how we stay consistent through the ups and downs and um, and be ready for the next opponent. Andy Larson. Two questions for you, Mike. First, uh, do you learn something from, you know, a quality opponent like that during the game, or do you feel like you kind of have to wait until you watch film after to really kind of get some key takeaways you can use for the rest of the year? Uh, you learn, you learn stuff during the game. I mean, halftime, we were already making adjustments, um, on certain plays they were, they were, they were running and how to guard Steph in certain situations. And, and even when we were adjusting, you know, they would they would have another adjustment to our adjustment. So I mean, it was a, a chess match through and through, and that's what you get with the the best teams. Um, so you just you're constantly um, learning and adjusting, and and you know, trying to to figure out each other as the game goes on. And then second question, obviously Steph is incredible, but when you guys are playing your best defense against him, what are you guys doing well? I think one where we're communicating, you know, um, it's not easy having that assignment to guard him and because he scores in so many different ways, but they're strictly looking for him. It feels like only so like if he passes it and gets off the ball, he comes right back, back cuts, comes off the other side. And with all that happening, you having somebody behind you being able to communicate and say, you know, switch or, 
um, me selling somebody else to, to switch out, bump out during a, during a play. If we can, you know, sniff something out. I mean, all that stuff is important and helpful. Um, cause at the end of the day, you can do all that, you know, all the talking, all the communication, he'll still score. But as long as we make him work and, and try to make it tougher on him, I think, uh, it gives our, ourselves the best chance to win. Eric Walden. <clears throat> Mike, obviously having, uh, Rudy and Hassan, you know, you guys don't get a whole lot of opportunities to break out the small ball lineup, but with Hassan out tonight, got some extended minutes. Um, what did you see from it? Where is there still room to improve? And, and what do you take from tonight on a night when, you know, everything is kind of thrown off by the Steph Curry factor? Well, yeah, I think, um, you know, we, you, you don't get too many minutes with, with, uh, you know, certain lineups like we've had tonight, but, um, you know, those guys went out there and did the best they could. Obviously, um, it's different without having a, a traditional big and Hassan or Rudy back there because we we base our defense basically solely on, you know, forcing everybody to to our big. So uh, when that happens, we kind of have to retrain our minds and re- readjust to, you know, remembering not to let your guy, you know, beat you, you know, be in help side. Um, you know, everybody's kind of activated into more of a help, help the helper situation as opposed to, trying to make it a two-on-two situation with the big and the guard um, like we're accustomed to doing. So it just takes some time to adjust to it. Uh, hopefully we'll get more minutes with those units and, and and continue to just get better from it. There is Mike Conley after the Jazz Warriors game. Now here is Donovan Mitchell. What were you saying offensively um, in terms of uh, how they were matching up with you, how they were attacking you defensively? I know they had Wiggins on you. I know they had Gary on you. Um, you know, they – hit you with different matchups were you getting what you want the shots weren't falling or, or did they do anything to bother you bothered you um first off got to give those two credit you know they're, they're hell of a defenders um gary payne making his way back to the league the way he has um is is definitely impressive i gotta give him credit um you know the biggest thing i think you know i i liked a lot of the looks you know there's probably out of the 19 i'd probably say three i wish i could have back um Honestly, those are the same shots I made last night. You know what I mean? So it's, it's, it's one of those things where I can't sit here and say, man, I, you know, I kind of overthink things, you know, it's the same shots I hit not even 24 hours ago. So, um, I think, you know, just being a ways to impact the game in other ways when the shots not falling and I can't count how many times the ball rolled in and out, you know, and it's not, it's going to happen. Those nights are going to, it's, it's going to, you know, can't go in every night, you know, it's just the, the way the game goes. And, you know, unfortunately it was tonight, but try to get to the line, try to create for others and try to just play things. But, you know, on the same token, got to give them credit. They threw, you know, length and, and uh, Wiggins. And then you had, you know, kind of speed and, and uh, Gary Payton, uh, the, the third or second, whatever his name is. Uh, so, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not too, you know, impressed about that. I think there are a lot of things I, I, I did well, you know, that I can look at, but, you know, sometimes the shot doesn't fall. It's got to impact the game in other ways. Todd. Donovan, is there maybe more value in a game like this where, mm-hmm. you know, I'm highly competitive against one of you know, the other contending teams in the conference where you, uh, where you can go back and look at it? Is there more value in like what you can see on the tape from maybe this game versus maybe in a different game? Yeah. You know, a lot of things we can take away from this, you know, they did a lot of things that you know, we, you got to give them credit. You know, at the end of the day, Steph had 30 or 28, but you know, a lot of the other guys stepped up, you know, and we, we, they shot 50% from three and 50% from the field, you know? So at the end of the day, we, we didn't play our best. You can look at that. We can take a lot of things from this, uh, closing execution, um, 
turnovers, defensive lapses. Those are the things we can take away from a game like this. Luckily, it's early. Um, we just got to come back ready. We got a tough road trip coming up and a tough January coming up. So, you know, this is – I don't want to say it's good that it happened, but this was, you know, you know, it's, it's kind of like a – I wouldn't say even a wake-up call, not to say we were like, you know, feeling any type of way, but it's one of those things to just keep things in perspective and look at the film and just like, okay, how can we adjust? How can we fix things? And coming up on this road trip, be ready to execute it. Eric Walden? Don, uh, the Warriors are kind of renowned for their switching small ball lineup. You guys are mm -hmm. still, yours is still kind of a work in progress. Haven't had a chance to play it too much yet. What makes theirs so good? And and where do you guys still have the most room to improve with yours? Well, and not like tonight, with Stephen Curry out there, um, you know what I mean? Like, you know, he's greatest shooter of all time. So when he's on the floor, especially when we're in a lineup where we're still working on things, it's, it's a different game plan for him. And then on top of that, we're doing something we kind of still, still working through the kinks and whatnot. So, you know, um, there's so many different things that, that and there's so much pressure he puts on a defense uh, when Rudy Gobert's out there. So then you take him out and you put, you know, Rudy Gay and not nothing against Rudy Gay. We just haven't worked on it. We have, we got to continue to, to build and we're not looking to be perfect by January 1st um, at all. You know, we did some things well. Uh, I think in that third quarter, we did a lot of things well. We got stops and we pushed and ran. But, you know, I think the biggest thing is, I personally feel like, you know, when, when it's, it's a different small ball defense when you're guarding Stephen Curry you know, versus a different team, you know, because they're not running certain actions. He's nonstop movement. All he, he demands so much attention. So um, it's, it's things we can take away, but you know, the fact that, you know, he's out there definitely gives them, a, 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 it, it gives us things we can look at. So for the next time when we play him, but um, it's a different, what I'm trying to get as is a different, uh, different game plan tonight than most teams. Holly Rowe. Hey, coach mentioned how their length is a was a big issue tonight and, and something that he thought was a major factor in the game. Keys to shooting well against length and moving the ball well against length that you can learn from moving forward. Holly, you're everywhere, aren't you? You 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 do it all. And I'll give you credit. <laughs> I was pretty sure I saw you on TV earlier today, but um no, I think, you know, when you play against, you know, a guy like Iguodala, um, Toscano Anderson, uh, Otto Porter, Wiggins, you know, sometimes that first look is going to be the shot. You know, Looney as well down there. Sometimes that first look is going to be the shot. Um, or sometimes it's not two dribbles, it's one dribbling kick. Um, and being able to take that that quick three, that quick shot, because sometimes you take that second dribble, you get into the paint. Now you got all these bodies uh, around you. And it makes the decision tougher. Uh, and we're a decision and kind of a read-based team. And it makes those reads tougher when you, you know, they, they close out the way they do. So sometimes it's just a quick decision, whether it's a shot or a go. And sometimes it's just less dribbles or sometimes it's not a shot fake, you know, whatever it may be. Um, I think that's that's the biggest thing against teams like this who, who have length like that, like they do. Um, just making it the, the quicker reads. Um, and we've been, we've been pretty solid with it. You know, tonight, like I said, we didn't shoot well. We, we didn't, we didn't play our best, uh, but, you know, they did a good job. All right, there's Donovan Mitchell. There is the best of the postgame show. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines are next. Stay with us. Your day has just begun. Yeah. But for DJ and BK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? ready. On 97.5, 1280, The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Yeah. Hashtag NFL. 
Burrow back to throw. Good protection. Fires deep down the sideline. Yeah. Chase wide oh, open. Oh, oh, oh. Sprinting downfield oh. to the 20. The 10. <laughs> Touchdown. Bengals. Unreal. 69 yards to Jamar Chase. Empty shotgun set. Three to his right. Two to his left. He brings Cooper Cup in motion. Takes a snap. Rolls right. Hitches. Throws. Caught front pylon. OBJ. Touchdown. Touchdown. Touchdown, L.A. Three receivers now to the right side, but a tight formation. Taysom will keep it. Throws to Kamara. Kamara, 10, 5. Touchdown, Alvin Kamara on the reception. Right side, near sideline. Saints touchdown, 12 yards. The snap, a good one. Brady looking, cocks the arm, throws toward the end zone. Receiver open, caught ball. Touchdown, Tampa Bay. Touchdown, Tampa Bay. Buccaneers take the lead for the first time of the game. Grayson makes the catch in the end zone. Lead 26 24. Tom Brady, you're terrific. We want to talk about that last drive, but I have to start with uh, can you tell us what happened to Antonio Brown? Did he quit? I've never seen a guy leave a field like that, and is this the last strike for him? He is no longer a buck. All right, that's the end of the story. Let's talk about the guys that were not there and won the game. That's Bruce Arians after the Bucks come from 14 down to beat the Jets 28 24. Antonio Brown leaving the field in the third quarter. Throwing his undershirt and gloves into the crowd and bouncing up and down and waving to the crowd as he goes up the tunnel. And then the Bucks come back and win the game. Jets go for it on fourth and two. A quarterback sneak that had no chance. The coaching staff is saying, well, they blew the play call into Zach. He was supposed to hand off to the guy in motion, Barrios. But the Jets made a mess of it, and they end up losing the game. Yeah, yeah, I'd say rookie... Rookie mistake, I guess. I don't know. I mean, that thing had blamed it on the coaches. Apparently, they sent the wrong well, thing. Of course, in. you're not going to blame it on, the, rookie blame it on quarterback. the quarterback. <laughs> so that's that's obvious. A 21 year old quarterback, you freaking idiot! What are you doing? I mean, they're never going to do that. So I get that. Take the hit and grow from it. Whether they win that game or not, uh, it's probably better for draft purposes that they lose the game anyway. Yeah, right. That's what uh, we've been talking about in the last couple of wins. So uh, I don't. I, I can live with that. He'll he'll know better as he gets older. He's just barely getting started. Uh, Bruce Arians is wrong. This is not the end of the story on this thing. The Antonio Brown. I mean, it's a sad, sad story. I don't take. I didn't think it was funny. I took no enjoyment of it. I didn't think it was anything to chuckle about. I mean, I've been there. I've seen wasted athletic talent due to mental health issues, and it's a sad, sad situation under every single circumstance. And that was my reaction to it. I and mean, it's obviously something going on here that needs to be addressed at a deep, deep level, well beyond anything that I could possibly diagnose. That is not the first issue he has had. I mean, just recently, not going all the way back, but just recently the Raiders let him go without playing a game. He played one game in New England before they let him go. And now his term with the Bucks ends this way. So, like you said, there's mental health issues there, and how can we possibly figure out what to do about those other games the Rams hold on to the NFC West lead they are going to win the West they beat the Ravens 20 to 19 overcoming a pick six early in the game from Stafford and then another pick and a fumble but they got it right down the stretch Odell Beckham Jr. with a catch on fourth and five and then he scores then the next play the game winning touchdown the Ravens theoretically are alive but their path to the playoffs is very complicated and not likely to happen that pretty much finished them off Tyler Huntley had no problem moving the team between the 20s but had to settle for four field goals only only touchdown was scored on defense early in the game 
Cardinals beat the Cowboys 25-22. Arizona is in the playoffs. Kyler Murray, a couple of touchdown passes. The Cardinals hold off a late Cowboy rally. Looks like the Cowboys will probably be the four seed in the playoffs. Yeah, well, the Cardinals were in the playoffs uh, with or without this win. But it was a nice win. I mean, they lost, what, four in a row? Have to go on the road. Look like they're left for dead. And then they managed to somehow win that game. I would have never thought that that would have been possible given the circumstances and uh, the fake punt with the catch against the helmet. It was even better than the Tyree thing. Yeah, hey, I'm not catching against my helmet. I'll catch against your helmet. Yeah, and then fall to the ground one-handed the entire time. Uh, Ward, his name is, and he's just incredible. Cowboys now 6-5 and five against teams not in the NFC East. They're dominating the East, but get outside the East in their 500 team. And there's a decent chance that the Cardinals are going to end up the 5 seed and the Cowboys the 4 and that they could play again on Wild Card Weekend in two weeks. So we may be seeing a rematch of that game. Patriots are in the playoffs. They have clinched. The Dolphins lost. The Patriots won. That's the combo they needed. And the Patriots didn't, didn't just win. We see 50 in the college game, PK, but we do not see 50 in the pro game very often. Patriots rolling over the Jaguars 50-10. to 10. Mac Jones, three touchdown passes in a blowout, and Trevor Lawrence was throwing interceptions. and Two rookie quarterbacks, and that's the difference between landing with a good team and landing with a bad team and landing with a good coach and landing with a bad coach. Yeah, I don't know the status of the other guy. I can't say that they're a bad coach. I guess you can. That's your call. Uh... But I'm wondering, does this uh, diminish Tom Brady? Because Belichick's winning with just about everybody. Well, he's getting to the playoffs with just about everybody. I mean, that's 18 times in 22 years now. But not the Super Bowls. So Brady with the Super Bowls is standing apart. Now, the Patriots go on and win the Super Bowl. That argument gets better. Of course, Brady got one without Belichick also. So it's not like Tampa Bay was rolling Super Bowls together. 49ers won. They beat the Texans 23-7, put themselves in position. If they win next week, they're in the playoffs. Although if they lose and the Saints beat the Falcons, then they are out. So they are right on the precipice. The Eagles looking at the same deal. If they win, they're in. If they lose, they're going to need some help to back in. They beat Washington 20-16, come from behind. Wasn't pretty, but they got it done. Chargers and Raiders both win to set up a showdown. They're going to be the Sunday night game next week. The winner will get to 10-7 and and be in the playoffs. Chargers blew out the Broncos 34-13. The Broncos have collapsed and been eliminated. The Raiders kick a last-second field goal to win their game. Big win for the Raiders on the road to, to set up that showdown. And Jamar Chase... Three touchdowns, 11 catches, 266 yards. He puts on a show as the Cincinnati Bengals come from 14 down to beat the Chiefs and win the AFC North title, 34-31, the final score. Jamar Chase just going off. 21 years old, fifth pick in the draft. 13 touchdowns on the year now. He is having a year. Still just a rookie. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. 
Hashtag Utah. C.J. Stroud gets the snap. He's going to throw on fourth down. Fires that one deep. Left side, Harrison to the end zone. Touchdown. Marvin Harrison runs under a pass from C.J. Stroud as Ohio State gets on the board first with a first collegiate touchdown pass that's caught by freshman Marvin Harrison. Stroud back to pass. Sets it as 41. Floats it down the middle of the field. Caught out of the 30 of Utah. Jackson Smith and Jigba weaves his way to the 20, and he's going to skate into the end zone for another score. Jackson Smith and Jigba, a 52-yard TD pass from C.J. Stroud and the Buckeyes. Add a little lightning of their own as they trail 28-20. Stroud's going to go on top once more. Looks right, looks left, throws long on the right side toward the end zone. Ball in the air. Caught Jackson it. Smith and Jigba's got it. Yeah. Touchdown, Jackson Smith and Jigba on a 30-yard pass play as C.J. Stroud strikes for his sixth touchdown pass of the game. And Ohio State has their first lead of the night, 44-38. Snaps it to Mirko. The kick by Ruggles out of the hole is up. And Mirko, it's good. Noah Ruggles boots it through. And Ohio State with nine seconds left has a 48-45 lead over Utah. And that ends up being the final score as C.J. Stroud throws for 573 yards and six touchdowns. And Ohio State comes from 14 down to win the Rose Bowl. P.K., you were there. Thrilling game. But the Ute secondary with a lot of reserves against, well, a lot of reserves for the Ohio State receivers. But Marvin Harrison Jr. stepped up with the three touchdown catches, and Smith and Jigba made a ton of big plays, 347 yards receiving, and the Buckeyes come back to get the win. Well, Juju Smith and Jigba was really something. He was, uh, had it going on for sure, and uh, Stroud was just some simply sensational. He looked like an all-time quarterback to me. I mean, he, to me, he clearly was the best quarterback that the Utes as a program had seen since Justin Herbert. And when you look at the uh, Pac-12 going into it, they had nobody that came anything close to Shroud. I was talking to a coach before the game for a couple days and saying that they're just going to exploit the corners. The corners, and he included Phillips too. Didn't think he was all that good. I know a lot of people around here thinking, that's not me saying it. This is somebody who does it for a living. What do I know? And saying that... uh, Shroud was going to expose them big time because they hadn't been exposed this year because there was nobody to throw the ball like that in the conference. No quarterback came anything near what Shroud had done. Nobody. There's simply nobody in the Pac-12 is anything remotely similar. And sure enough, just boom, just opened up and went nuts. And Utah was battered in the secondary with injuries. I mean, obviously, they're playing a running back that they just converted the other day. I heard about it before the game. I didn't know about it, but about two hours before the game, I heard that uh, Bernard playing corner. I mean, you know, that, that can't be good. <laughs> and it wasn't. But you go big picture. Uh, they won the Pac-12. And I, and I wrote about it. And I know you fans want to Look at that and feel proud about that. It was a phenomenal experience for everybody. Talked to hundreds of fans. It sure was. It was a great day. Beautiful setting. All that stuff. You came up a little bit short. And Cougar fans want to rip. Well, way well, they didn't beat anybody out of the conference. Uh, okay. Well, really, that was the bulk of your wins too. <laughs> so you're incriminating yourself when you do that. Uh, it's been an interesting. Uh, couple of stories that I've submitted for me in terms of feedback has been incredible but that's uh, that's the passion and emotion 
why I love working in this market. So overall, it was a tremendous experience. It came up a little short as far as the outcome of the game. Yeah, but you know, after spending weeks preaching the Rose Bowl is special and the Rose Bowl is electric, and when you're there, you're going to feel it. Do you feel vindicated? Because that Rose Bowl game was special. The day was glorious. The game was electric. Truth doesn't need vindication. No, I didn't. Did I feel vindicated? Yes. For what? No. I mean, that didn't even enter my mind. What what do I need vindication for? If If truth is what it is, it's just that. It's truth. What vindication do you need? No, not at all. Nothing did, did not enter my mind. It was a it was a glorious day. I got to the stadium at six in the morning, uh, parked because they had said that with all the rain that the golf course may not be able to have enough parking. So I got there early, literally six six fifteen. Walked over to the parade. And my sister was staying a couple of blocks away. Met up with her. Went and enjoyed the parade. I had to leave early. I had to do a TV appearance that we had on the platform right in front of the iconic Rose Bowl sign. Uh, That was my first time working with those guys on television, and they were blown away by the loudmouth that I can become when the red light comes on. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for watching. (laughs) But met a whole, met tons of Ute fans, uh, met people that I knew from the neighborhood, friends, and whatnot. It was a great, great day. I mean, obviously, it was spoiled a little bit, but yeah, that I had so many people come up to me afterwards and since saying we really enjoyed it, and it's like that's where I feel vindicated. If you want that, because I've been saying all along, what do you think I was talking about? No, the the you're talking about the game. I'm talking about strictly the game that I feel like it's not about the the result. To me, it's about the experience. Right. But that could be any game. It's not the Rose Bowl. It could be any game. The Rose Bowl is irrelevant to the to my feeling on what I take from games. I take them as entertained. Mm-hmm. Well, it could have been the Pee Wee League. <laughs> it doesn't have to be. You, you're specifically right. talking about the Rose Bowl. So I'm talking about any game. Was I entertained? Well, the answer is yes. There's a winner and loser in every game, which is why I never or certainly rarely get caught up in the result of games. What kind of experience did I have? Well, this experience was off the charts. Same thing BYU-Utah. You can have so much fun going to tailgating with your family and Beck throws to Harleen. It was an unbelievable play. Were you not entertained? Yes. The result wasn't what it was that you wanted, but to me, it's sort of so what? That's the way I look at it, and I think some folks felt that way more so than they've ever felt that way ever. And that game stood in stark contrast to the two games college football fans watched the day before. Let's get to those. Hashtag college football. Second down and six. Here's the snap. Play action fake. Price across the middle. Wide open. Lock two. Third and short, hook it up for Cook. He's wide open, caught, 21, 15, 10, hopped into the end zone, touchdown, James Cook. A homecoming for Cook, who's from South Florida. Touchdown, dogs. What's that I hear? Hammer and nail and coffin. 33-3, to dogs lead it. College football playoff semifinals, both games. You knew who was going to win before we got to halftime. Alabama beats Cincinnati 27-6, and then Georgia beats Michigan even worse. That one ends up 
34-11. It's Bama and Georgia in the college football playoff title game next Monday night. Those games weren't close. Dominant performances by the two SEC teams, PK. Oh, yeah, they were. I can't add anything more than that. Win the line of scrimmage, and they won both sides of the line of scrimmage in both games. The other New Year's Six games, there was some entertaining stuff there. Uh, Baylor beats Ole Moose 21-7, and Oklahoma State over Notre Dame. Down 28-7, Oklahoma State scores 30 straight points, and they win at 37-35 in an entertaining festival. DJ and PK. Hashtag Utah Jazz. Wiggins drives middle, kicks it over to Porter. He's open, loads up a triple. It's short, gets his own rebound. Back over to Curry. He fires for a three. Got it! Stephen Curry with a new NBA record. 158 consecutive games with a made three. Wiggins step back off the dribble, knocked it down over Bogdanovich. A lot of people, a little murmur starting for Wiggins, maybe being named an all-star this year. Jump pass over to Porter, left wing, back to Curry. Over to the right corner, there's Payton, won't take the shot. Now Porter gets it to Curry. Curry, Curry off a screen, three ball, got it! Curry! Utah Jazz split two games over the weekend. Friday night, they beat Minnesota 121-08. Saturday, they lose to the Warriors 123-116. Donovan Mitchell had a season high 39 points Saturday night. Jazz took the lead down 14 at halftime and took the lead with a great third quarter. But the Warriors were there with not one, but two good runs in the fourth quarter to come back and win the game. You heard Wiggins in those highlights. He had nine straight points at one stretch. He was really good, and obviously you know Steph Curry's going to hit big shots, and he did. And the Warriors now not only winning 80% of their games, but 3-1 and one against the Jazz and the Suns so far this year with another game with the Jazz coming up in a couple weeks. Yeah, the Jazz didn't hit shots. They, they just couldn't make shots, and that was a big deal. You can play the Warriors, you got to make shots. And you got to make a lot of them. Made them in stretches, but not all the time. Jazz are on the road now. Five-game road trip starts with New Orleans tonight, Denver Wednesday. Tip-off tonight set for 6 o'clock on the Zone Sports Network. The pregame show starts at 5 as the Jazz hit the road for five straight games. DJ and PK. Hashtag NBA. Backing down. Love. His pass deflected. Grabbed out front by Mobley. Mobley top of the key, four on the clock, three on the clock. Mobley into the lane, left-handed shot is good. Evan Mobley never panicked. Highlights from the NBA there. The Lakers beat the Timberwolves 108-103. LeBron James scores 26 points in the game as the Lakers pick up the win. The Suns win again and blow out the Hornets 133-99. Devin Booker leads the way with 24. Suns, two highest scoring games of the year, both against Charlotte. Broke 130 both times. How about that? Luka Doncic is back. He's been out a little more than three weeks. He had 14 points, 9 rebounds, 10 assists. The Mavericks beat the Thunder, 95-86. to Josh Giddy with a triple-double. He's only 19 years old, but he put up 17 points, 13 rebounds, and 14 assists. 
Has the triple double lost its allure? It's watered nice. down a little oh, bit. Yeah. Good for him. He's a nice player. Just a youngster. Kings beat the Heat. Miami goes down to defeat 115 113. Darren Fox had 24 in that one. And Jalen Brown goes for 50. Overtime win for the Celtics. They beat the Magic 116 to 111. DJ and PK. Hashtag college basketball. Light weekend of college basketball. COVID postponing a lot of games. The Aggies didn't play. BYU, the entire West Coast Conference, was shut down. The Utes did play. Led at the half at Oregon, but the Ducks with a strong second half pull away and win 79-66. Brandon Carlson had 15 points in the loss as the Utes dropped 8-6 on the year and 1-3 in conference. So how can... Hundreds of football players be able to play, and but 15 basketball guys can't. Don't know. I don't know. 100 players, are they more vaccinated? Are they more careful? I don't know. There were a lot of basketball games off. I mean, way too many to know off the top of your head. Big Sky action. Weber State goes up to Montana, gets beat 74-72. That game went right down to the wire, tied up. Montana got the last bucket and got the win. Weaver State and Montana both 3-1. SUU also 3-1 now. Northern Colorado upset the T-Birds 91-81. In the whack, Abilene Christian top Dixie State and UVU beat Tarleton State. And that is what is trending. It is brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. There's no job too big or too small. Get the personal touch with Shamrock Plumbing. Call them at 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. Coming up, waiting to hear back from Nick Ford, post-Pasadena, post-Rose Bowl visit, our last of the year with the Youth Center. We'll talk with him hopefully later this morning. Steve Cleveland, basketball insider, will be here at 9 o'clock. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. The question of the day is coming up next as we reflect on the Rose Bowl. Stay with us. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. There are a couple of reasons that I didn't become a doctor. Same reasons you didn't what, what? become a paleontologist. Why do you crack a smile and well, then make just, a joke? I'm just saying, like, yeah, there's a couple of reasons I wasn't a lawyer. Number one, the LSAT scared me. Number two, I thought I'd fail miserably. And number three, I didn't think I was smart enough. So, yeah, there are just a couple of reasons why I didn't become a lawyer. Can I make a point without you attacking me? I'm not attacking you. Like, you've never talked about wanting to be a doctor before. To me, this seems like you were just right on the cusp of going to medical school. And then just these one or two little things came up and made you think, no, I'm not going to do that. Doctor. 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 Can you not attack me? You know, it bugs me when you do that. Doctor. 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 Stop playing that. And doctor. Well, we miss anyone? Hanson Scotting. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK Hot Takes Your Toast brought to you by Utah Facial Plastics. Losing your hair, it's 2021, and you don't have to. UFP Hair Restoration offers a range of cutting-edge therapies to restore thick hair permanently. Text hair to 801-960-3137 for 15% off any hair loss treatment or visit utahairmd.com. All right, it's time for the question of the day. The Utes go down to defeat. Bummer about the Utes. What can you say? Brian, incredible game between two great teams. What an awesome atmosphere. PK was right. Even though the youth came up short, 
They left everything they had on the field. I'm proud of them for the great season they had, and I'm looking forward to a great year in 2022. I'm getting back there again. Would you say that part about PK again? I didn't hear you. PK was right. Pardon? Oh, you like it now. <laughs> it's like what now? <laughs> Never mind. Steve says, great game. Ohio State made adjustments at halftime, and it appears the Utes didn't. Just happy Ohio State had those five key players sitting out for the draft. Otherwise, they would have blown us up big time. It was four, but what the heck. Yeah. Oh, that, that, that thing was so overblown. And they had like 14 defensive starters missed. The Columbus Dispatch had a story that morning of all the players. Give me a break. And, so, and the Utes were 100% healthy, had everybody to go at their maximum. No, they really didn't. <laughs> That's why there was a running back starting in the secondary. Did he actually start? He played a lot of snaps, so I assume he started, but I can't tell you what happened okay. on the very first play of the game. But he ended up leading him in tackles, so he was out there a lot. And they threw at him a lot, or he wouldn't have ended up leading him in tackles. Yeah, and they had to drop Lloyd, and then they didn't have any pressure on the quarterback. Um, you know, you can dissect that game a thousand different ways, and Kyle didn't use timeouts and in the last minute 43. I was on the field right there. I was standing five feet away when Kincaid got the pass interference that gave him first and goal, first and goal, but you just even then you felt like, mm, so what? <laughs> Ohio State's going to go back down the field. Yeah, at least I did, and so I was on Ohio State side at that point, and then they have that uh, contraption where they move the camera along, and those guys get so hyper they yell at you to get out of the way like it's the most important thing in the world. It's like a truck driving up and down yeah, the sideline. So that, I'm just going to go to the Utah side at that point because it's not over there and nobody's going to yell at you. So I was at the Utah side and was speaking to people as the ball was being kicked off and administrators and blah, blah, blah. And then you knew what was going to happen. And Kyle could have used 15 timeouts <laughs> and it wasn't going to make any difference. And they were going to get in position to kick the field goal. I mean, they got it down to the two. They would have scored a touchdown if they wanted to. That's the way the game was going. So it wasn't going to change. So you felt like, well, you know, I thought, well, you should go for two. But even that wouldn't have mattered. Because they would have gone down to score. Yeah. yeah. It was going to take some low percentage play because they were playing the worst hand. So do you onside the kickoff? Do you use the timeouts, hope they score quick so you have time to come back? Do you let them score? And the odds are none of those things would have worked. I mean, they're no. all the low percentage plays. And maybe one of them works. Maybe you need to do maybe a couple holding plays to back them up. Put them in right. second, third, and long type situation. Maybe they throw a pick like they threw early in the but, third quarter. But once that wasn't going to happen. Yeah. So to me, rather than go back and forth on the game, I thought that for those of them there, and I already had a friend, a neighbor, Scott, text me, it's a, it was about the experience. And that's what I've been preaching for years anyway. And the experience was second to none for everybody who was there. And there were 60,000 of them. And it's so many people I talked to. Because as I say, I, I was there on site. We were going live on television, 10 o'clock uh, California time. So I had four hours. <laughs> and there was nowhere to go once I got there. I mean, I went and saw the parade. And the parade, parades are parades. It, it, it was great. It's a great parade, 
you know, been in before a long time ago and sort of was a, you know, a, a throwback to a younger time for me when I lived there. And that was fun and all that. As the weather was nice, a little chilly in the morning, but then the sun came up and it was, it was dandy. Uh, and, you know, the, the Rose Bowl neighborhood is old and stately. And so you walk people, tons of people walking from there. They had some shuttles, but you could walk. It was it was a decent walk. It's about a 35-minute walk if you just go at a decent pace. Uh, and I did it from the stadium to the parade and then the parade back to the stadium. And so many people were there. And they're just soaking up the experience. I think this the experience was a smash hit for those who were fortunate enough to go. Josh, a lot of woulda, coulda, shouldas for the game, but the atmosphere was electric. Very cool experience. Right. I think that's what you take rather than you lost a game by three points to Ohio State. David, it was a great game. Someone had to win and someone had to lose. It wasn't our turn to win. And Chris can say, I can say that was a great game, and I'm glad I made the trip. Yeah, see, that's what, that's what I've been preaching for years that that's the way you should approach sports. And look at it that way. And what did you gain from it? What, did, what experience was it? Because college football is about an experience. It's not like going to a Tuesday or a Thursday conference game against Oregon State in basketball. You know, you're in, you're out. Uh, this, was, this was far, far, far more than that. And for everybody, I think it was the best experience they had. Even though the Utes won the Fiesta Bowl, they won the Sugar Bowl, that's great. But this experience was better than that. I think it really was. But both of those two. Even though your team came out three points short. And the game was a lot of fun. Seeing Britton Covey score two touchdowns, smallest dude out there. That kickoff was just absolutely electric. Which I experienced it in the restroom. What? I had to go to the bathroom. <laughs> then I go, it's time out, go to the bathroom. And then he runs it back and you hear the crowd? <laughs> no, they, they had the thing pumped in. Oh, okay. So uh, they had the sound in the restroom, the play-by-play, and then you, I hustled back. And then, of course, you can watch it 50 times at your fingertips within yeah. seconds. But to see him explode... That last 40 yards or so when some big-time speed was chasing him. Oh, yeah. That was a nice audition for the NFL. Yeah, that gets everybody. That answers that question in the draft rooms around the league. Yeah. Does he really have that extra gear? Yeah, there it is. Yes, to see that, he actually broke away and increased the distance. It was impressive. For just one second, it looked like, oh, maybe they can run him down. Yeah. And then he had a gear. And then he took off. Yeah. Yeah. He he pulled away. That was sweet. And they knew it because they they pulled up about the 20-yard line. Yeah, that was really sweet to see that. I think everybody loves that kid. And then in the post game, you know, he didn't want to take off his pads. He gets emotional. His voice starts cracking. That's that's just awesome. That's what what it's about. It's not like nobody's going to remember they lost the game. I get it. Uh, but you're going to remember the entire experience. And it was just an incredible time for so many folks who were there to see your team in the Rose Bowl. Everybody got there early. Uh, there was this one couple that, you know, there's a, you're in a little bowl there in that little valley, and, and Internet can be tough because there's so many people. In fact, one guy told me, because I bought four tickets, 
uh, make sure you send them over to your wallet so you don't need the internet access. So I'm standing over. I had just done the uh, post game or pregame with Scotty right next to the gate below where the Rose Bowl sign is because I had met my sister, uh, my sister and her guy, my wife, because they walked back from the parade. And I said, that's where I'll be sitting is a little stone wall right out front, literally the gate right behind me. And these uh, folks call me over after I did the hit with Scotty. We can't get in. We can't get in. We can't get internet. What should we do? I got these coaches. I got these tickets from Coach Mack. And I said, I kind of looked at him. You know, you know, Coach Ron McBride. I said, yeah, I know who Coach Mack is. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody knows who Coach Mack is. I said, did you put him to your wallet? No, we we're told to do that. Didn't do that. I said, well, don't stand here. But they were already, they're right at the gate and the lines were long. And I said, but you got to move around. I said, I found internet access over here. Why don't you come over here? And the lady, she moved away because she said, well, I, I, I know you're Salt Lake Media, but I, I, I don't know who you are. And the guy looks at my credential. He's Patrick Kinnan. We know. I know Patrick Kinnan. Well, I don't know you, <laughs> but I've listened to you. <laughs> Everybody amped up. I know. So we're going through all this. I said, you got to move around till you find it, man, because they're not going to let you in. So move around. And so she moved around, and then, then she's probably about 15 yards away. She screams back, I got it. So, we got that problem solved. <laughs> <laughs> to get people in. PK just doing customer service work <laughs> in the Rose Bowl. Nice. It was really cool. Yeah, a- absolutely. You know, I'd been there before, obviously, uh, but not not like that. And I'm not really a Utah guy. You know, I mean, I know the guys and want them to win and all, and it's fun for them. But, I mean, it doesn't – I felt no different whether they would have won or lost personally. Uh, but for everybody else, and even in defeat – talking to people after and and friends texting me. They loved it. They absolutely loved it. It was a once in a lifetime to date. You know, they're going to get there again some point. I don't know when. You never do. No. Who's to say? Could be next year. Could be next decade. Could be 20 years. Who knows? You know, you you don't know. You don't know what's going to go down. But for those who went, they loved it. And for the millions of you who I saw on the freeway yesterday as we sat in the hour-long traffic to get through Approach the Gorge because they're doing in the Arizona side bridge construction. So you go nowhere for an entire hour. Uh, and there was just tons of Utah people. I went. So I after the game... Uh, I thought you were getting a head start. You were going to go up to Victorville. I did, I did, I did, I did. Yeah. Yeah, and so, that didn't get you through the gorge either, though, because it's just too backed up. Right, that's the next. I didn't go that night. Was, no, I just thought that that would give you a head start, and you'd be. But there's just too much traffic coming out of Vegas, going up the gorge on any given day. And yeah, it backs and up Sunday afternoon, yeah. and it's the end of a long holiday weekend. Yeah, yeah. So it was the. Uh, I mean, I left Victorville at seven o'clock in the morning, mm-hmm. and so I got up there probably tenish, nine thirty ten Saturday or Sunday or yeah, Saturday night. Because you know, I had my sister drove her back to the hotel. Oh, get this, man! We're we're coming out of the Rose Bowl, and uh, it's dark, and and I'm taking her back to her hotel. I mean, I know Pasadena a little bit, but I know the freeway, not the city, because I didn't spend a whole lot of time there when I lived there. Although I played, I have played Brookside, but it was always go to the Rose Bowl, get on the freeway, boom, boom, boom. Not get in the city very much. So my wife's telling me, and we got to turn left to get back to take her, my sister, to her hotel. Well, I'm in the right lane going straight, and the left lane, I said, well, I, I can't. 
My sister, who, my gosh, and she is Jersey through and through. <laughs> I got this! <laughs> Rolls down the window, people next to us, and he's got his window. Sir, sir, we need to turn left, and we're in this lane going straight. Is it okay if we just jump ahead of you? Old lady, no, you got to <laughs> wait your turn. <laughs> I look at her and I say, you know what, sweetheart? Why don't you go to hell? <laughs> getting a beat. It didn't let us go through. But then the next car did. Oh, okay. And so it took a little while, and then we stopped, got something to eat. So by the time I got a, which is all, Victorville to, to Pasadena is like maybe an hour and five minutes straight through. So I'm pretty gassed because I was up at 5 a.m. the morning before. Uh, I get in the elevator. I forget something. have to go back down to the car. I get in the elevator. I'm gassed. Guy looks at me in the elevator. You're Patrick Hinahan, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, this is me. <laughs> and there must have been, just in that little time that I was out in, in the Victorville courtyard, there must have been 50 Ute fans that I saw. So they were all over the place. Ute fans represented well. It was one heck of an experience. It looked great on TV. The team came up three everywhere. points short. And I know it seems contradictory to say this, but I sort of say, so what? Did you have the time of your life? You fans, if you didn't have the time of your life, how you hanging on? Where are you? Let me hear from you. Get on our app. Give me a call. Give DJ a call. Here's DJ Cell, 801-598-5555. DJ and PK in the morning. Morning. Proudly presented by Mark Miller Subaru. Your reaction coming up, 855-340-ZONE. Went to the Rose Bowl. We want to hear all about it. 855-340-ZONE. DJ and PK. It's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. The new Zone lineup is here. With the best coverage of the sports you love and the teams you can't live without. Catch DJ and PK mornings from 6 to 10. Followed by Jake Scott and Ben Anderson from 10 to noon. Get your daily fix of Hans and Scotty from noon to 3. And then the Zone welcomes unrivaled with Alex Curie and former NFL quarterback Scott Mitchell to the team. Weekdays from 3 to 6. Live and local. All day, every day. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com. Visit the Ford Fan Zone on Level 6 at your next Utah Jazz game where there are free Papa Shot games, cornhole, and foosball tables. Enjoy incredible city mountain views while relaxing, enjoying food and drink, taking in the game, and socializing with friends. Question of the morning. Bummer about the Utes losing the game. But what'd you think? Your reaction. Greg says it was an incredible experience. Most shocking was the complete lack of defensive line pressure on Stroud. He was amazing, but we didn't do much to hurry him up while he carved our defensive backs up. True. Ends up throwing for 573 yards and six scores. More reaction on the game. Let's go to the phones. 855-340-ZONE. Brett is standing by. Brett, good morning. Good morning. PK finally has it right. It's been taking a long time. <laughs> but he's got it. I've been to the, I went to the Fiesta Bowl, Sugar Bowl. We took 12 of us down. I even had two of my grandkids down there. And it was just a spectacular experience. I am disappointed with the loss, of course. Uh, but that game was amazing. The experience was exquisite. 
and and I am so proud of this team. It was about something more than just the win at the end. It was a special group. Whittingham's best coaching job, in my opinion, an incredible job of leadership. Covey, the crowd, the whole Rose Bowl will be yelling, Covey, Covey, after the return for the touchdown. I just, it was extraordinary. Wouldn't trade it for the world. Hopefully we get back there, but just very proud of, of the team. Great experience, special as a fan to experience it. There you go. I told you, man, right there, huh? That's what I'm talking about. Thanks for the call, Brett. 855-340-ZONE. Rick the Dishwasher. Rick, good morning. DJ, did you uh, record the game, too? I did. That's how we get highlights. We got to get a lot of people on this, because I went to the game, and it was clear as day because you could see the whole field. And I can understand why the analysts don't see it, because you're so far away in that stadium, and the big screens are about as the size of your cell phone, so replays don't help. But the reason, with six minutes left in the first quarter and the rest of the game, the defense went south, was Devin Lloyd. Devin Lloyd was running half speed. He put a pressure on the quarterback, the only one, other than the offside one, um, where he didn't get to the QB, but the QB threw it at somebody's feet. You know, the reason, uh, the way to be successful, pass more than 50% on first down, which they did, and they had to bring five people against this kid. This kid with time had such beautiful touch. Now, nine of those 15 catches were across the middle, and you should see, where do you see Devin Lloyd, okay? He lined up to blitz after he got hurt seven times, never even marched forward to the quarterback. Against the run, you'll watch him. He gets lost in the pack and doesn't make the tackle. And then when it came to the receiver, the only way he would show his injury, when he was jogging off the field, he wouldn't limp. When he was walking, he wouldn't limp. But as soon as he tried to run full speed, he would drop his head and, like, I ain't got it. And if he doesn't say that he was injured, the dude coasted. And it proves how great he is, too. Because he's automatic 12 tackles. He's at least three to four to five hurries. And his pass coverage is good as Warner and Van Noy now. But... If you get to watch this tape game, because all they did was watch him, I'm like, look at this guy. I mean, the middle was so wide open because of him. And then those fade patterns, I mean, that quarterback threw beautiful throws. I mean, our, our quarterbacks are slow, but uh, nobody was, was getting to that. Our best... nobody, nobody was getting to that last touchdown pass. Yeah. That wasn't happening. Uh, that was on a dime. Re- no, you're right. But the reason those four fade patterns were perfect and it looked like corners were burned is because he had four and a half seconds to throw it. And the first three games of this year, we proved because he gave him vanilla defense. We never blitzed anybody, and we lost the games. And then we figured out, hey, let's send a fifth because that fifth is Lloyd and it's Tafuna. One of the two is Tafua is going to get to him. And watching the second half, he was the designated blitzer, but he wouldn't advance. He wouldn't even go in. And uh, that's when, when that happened, I'm like, boy, we, we don't have a chance. 
And All watch right. the catches across the middle. He's right. nowhere to be seen. Thanks He's for the jogging. call, Rick. we got to run to break. All right. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. It's obviously very frustrating, uh, especially coming up that short. But, you know, I think Coach Wade hit on the locker room. We've accomplished so much this year. And we banded together, you know, as a brotherhood, you know, this year. So it's obviously frustrating, very frustrating um, to come up this short. But that doesn't take away anything that we've accomplished this year and, you know, all the success that we've had this year. There's Devin Lloyd at the podium. Rose Bowl post game after Ohio State comes from behind to win 48-45. The defense able to force two punts on the first two possessions. Turnovers on either side of halftime. But in between those and after those, well, it's pretty much a parade to the end zone there for Ohio State. Through the air, yeah. I mean, they held Henderson in check, relatively speaking. Uh, but through the air, yeah. Now, I've seen Utah, Joe Williams run for 335 yards on that field, and I see Trout throw for 500-plus yards on that field. It's crazy. And and it wasn't about uh, – and Utah, they didn't really rush the ball that well themselves, no. all things considered. I mean, we obsessed over Ohio State's rushing defense. That didn't really matter. They ran it really well for three quarters, but it wouldn't have mattered in the fourth. They couldn't. I guess you can argue Ohio State loaded up. To stop it once the quarterback change happened. The Utes went for over 200 yards on the ground, but they didn't yeah, get yards I mean, when it mattered in the fourth 62 quarter. 62 of those yards was on a fourth and one. It was, yeah. So, somewhat of a fluke. Well, then they you take that off, they still had 160 other yards. But in the fourth quarter, I think they ran for about 30, which obviously wasn't enough. And they clearly felt they had to throw the ball to the end zone. They weren't going to run it there on that last drive, which is why they left time on the clock. But through the air is where the yards were because Ohio State was loaded up to stop the run. They fooled him on uh, that one running play when he kept it on fourth down and ran for the first down. I guess the, the path to victory would have been take some more time off, mm-hmm. leave the Buckeyes with... 30 seconds or so, but then you would have had to score a touchdown and get a two-point. Yes, that would have been the thing to not throw the second pass to Kincaid, but they knew they had the matchup and they figured, well, the kid just committed the penalty. They'll probably, he'll probably lay off this time, and sure enough, they beat him and got the score, but that's real quick. And that's dangerous. It's, yeah, it's very dangerous. Well, Kyle addressed it. He said, how much strategic, you know, you do that, you put even more pressure on an inexperienced quarterback. Hey, let's run the ball on purpose on first and second down. No, we're only going to pick up a yard or two and put this young quarterback in third and seven when they know he's going to throw. So they didn't do that. Yeah, I don't but know that I would have done it with rising either. That left about two minutes for Ohio State to go down the field. And you felt like it was going to happen. You just felt like this thing's over. And then they get a big kickoff return, too, that shortens that the field. Help. Yeah. Yeah, it's almost like they should have let them score in the kickoff, get the ball back, see if you can score, go, yes, go for two. Uh, that was that was what I was telling you last hour. Whatever low percentage play you wanted, because you're playing the worst cards, well, can you go for an onside kick and see if you can recover that? I mean, your odds are low, 10 or 15% at best. Let them score. 
get the ball back, see if you can go down and There's no score. way Whittingham is going to acknowledge that and I do know. that. I, I mean, that's just against everything he stands for. We'll just and, let and, you have something. And, let, and, and letting him do that and so that you just put the inexperienced quarterback out there. Hey, that was one awesome drive. No, do it again against the clock. They're all low percentage moves. Probably none of them work. Maybe just send the house every time and see if you can come up with some type of uh, strip sack, fumble, tip or pass, something, yeah. something along those lines. It's hard for me to criticize because I don't know anything was going to work beyond the out of the ordinary. And I guess that could have score in the third quarter possibly happen. Try a long field goal when you went for it on fourth down and got stopped. That would have been like a 48-yard field goal, something like that, when uh, they threw to Keithy yeah, and he yeah, got yeah. stopped a yard short. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they didn't have real uh, a lot of confidence in their field goal kicking most no. of the season. With good reason. I mean, this wasn't a banner special teams year. In fact, it was a disaster. Except for, for Covey. Yeah. Their special teams were far below par, particularly to where they've been in recent years, well, when they're the- having Ray Guy and Luke Rose awards <laughs> left <laughs> yeah. and right. The uh, third quarter, the drop punt. I mean, obviously that gave Ohio State a short field and an easy and, score. And they would but have scored on a long field. I know they were scoring. <laughs> they, they were going seventy yards anyway. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, that was bad. It looked from my vantage point, it looked like he just dropped the ball yeah. uh, on that situation. I, but but Stroud probably would have just gone over six hundred yards passing if you'd punted the ball. That's the way it seemed to be at that point. You never know. He could have made a, a, a bad had, pass. He had thrown the interception on the drive and That before. was an underthrown ball. Yeah. But he was just brilliant. That was as fine a quarterback showing as I've seen in a good long while. Well, I think Michigan State was watching that going, that's, that's the guy who carved us up. He doesn't have all his receivers, but he's still getting it done. Well, he had his best statistical receiver. Yep. And, and obviously Marvin he had Harrison Jr. Fine. Yeah, I mean, he made plays. I never, I never really worried about that. Because they're four- and five-star guys. So the question is, are they ready for the ball? Well, but I was more worried about the quarterback. Ohio State ought to have guys who can run around and catch the ball. Turns out they do. That's what we're asking. This kid's a Heisman Trophy finalist. for. Yeah, he clearly was dominant. Yeah. Well, you asked Kyle on the podium after the game, is this the best quarterback you've faced since Herbert? And he thought about it for about two seconds. like, "Mm, yeah, probably. (laughs) Yeah. And Herbert is all world, too. Love the guy. And nobody... Between then and now comes close. Right. Well, the throw Herbert makes to the back corner to beat the Utes. Mm-hmm. Now, he wasn't that good He's every down at that point in his career, but you could already see it. Yeah. But that throw looks a lot like the touchdown that puts Ohio State in front of 45 38. You know? Yeah, and some of those guys had decent coverage. He was just putting it in the corner on the front uh, yeah. shoulder that it was either. The touchdown or incomplete. Right. The coverage wasn't the issue there. The coverage was the issue in the second sure. quarter when they're giving up the back-to-back 50-yard touchdowns. And some of it certainly was that, but it was yeah. both. If you had good coverage, sometimes it didn't matter. Now, yeah. if you had crappy coverage, you got no shot. But even when you had decent coverage, he still was just dropping it left and right, right in there. It was so impressive. I can see why all those four- and five-star quarterbacks said, we're out of here. <laughs> We're not getting out on the field unless we want to sit and wait, and nobody wants to wait. Because it seems to me he's a redshirt freshman that next year he's gone. right? And what are you going to do? What do you, there's no need to, to play. You don't need to start three years. You will have start two seasons unless you get hurt or something. But you'll be making and, all the throws. Yeah. You're throwing the You're ball 30 yards down the field. 
It's absolutely brilliant. And he's a kookamonga kid. I was joking with Ben and Jake when I was on their uh, show on Friday. I think I'm saying he's a kookamonga kid. Isn't that fun to say? Say it. Say it with me. Kookamonga kid. And and Jake's a little stiff sometimes. Ben got into it. And so he said, and I said, and what is he? He's a kookamonga kid. I mean, that's like right down the street, basically. Just boom, right down. I mean, there's like five freeways you can take to get there. Uh, the 210 is right outside the Rose Bowl, but it's boom, right down there. They did. And it's right, it's so close, and, and he's going to Ohio State. That's, what, that's what's changed the balance of power in college football. In the old days, it was the running backs and the linemen and all that. It wasn't the quarterbacks. And now they have it all. Yes, and Alabama, Clemson, and Ohio State, they're stealing kids from from California. California And and they're superstars. Not just game manager type players. They're big-time players. NFL guys. Yes, and this kid, Ohio State's put a bunch of quarterbacks in the NFL, and... He's going to be better than every one of them, and maybe I'm just blowing it up off their one game. But I couldn't have been more. Well, you're impressed. not blowing up off one; you're blowing up up two because you watched him carve up Michigan State too. Oh, I, yeah, and you just look at his statistics. Uh, I only watched the first half of that game. That's all you needed to see. <laughs> and here I watched four quarters. It was just absolutely brilliant. His touch. If he had to dump it over a linebacker thirty yards downfield, no problem. If he had to throw it on a rope forty yards, no problem. He had to throw the corner fade, no problem. And he was a a big time passer. He wasn't looking to take off. You know, he can move around a little bit, but he didn't need to. It's the best to. combination. He's mobile, but he's yeah, not a runner. Just, I can't say enough about him, man. I love the kid as a player. Local kid. Klyakov, I saw him on the sidelines. I'm like saying, dude, I agree with you, man. Larry Scott, you'd ask him a question and everything would be great. They would acknowledge no thing crumbling around you. Klyakov at the Pac-12 uh, pre-game uh, press conference with the title game. He says, we got to keep our kids here, and it is a big problem. Yeah, for sure it is. I don't know if you can you can address it, and you got to acknowledge it. Whether you can do it or not remains to be seen. But th- this and, and during the week, the day, the, the, two days before, he said, well, going to UC Los Angeles and SC games are boring. Kind of boring because the fans aren't into it. Because, you know, he doesn't remember the Pete Carroll thing when it was the sexiest thing in the world in Los Angeles and everybody Snoop Dogg and all of his buddies wanted to be on the sidelines. There were no Rams. There were no Raiders. There were no Chargers now. And it was about SC and they were on top of the world and everybody who was anybody who had an interest wanted to be seen on the sidelines. And I think they had to make a rule to stop that because they would show one celebrity after another. Well, you're going back 15 years the kid's running around basically barely out of diapers. So he didn't experience that. What he's seen here is SC corner be hot sometimes, but not really, not to the level, certainly not to the level of the obsession that is Ohio State. There's like three or four programs maybe that have SEC passion that aren't in the SEC, and Ohio State is obviously one of them. And so he's going back there. How do you dissuade somebody that thing sells itself from going there and i don't know you can dissuade somebody if he's interested in pick which thing where football is bigger than life and go there and now that they're throwing the ball they've got it all and that's what makes them 
I don't know that it's ever going to change, at least in the short term, from being the same teams every single year coming down to one, did you win this game to go or didn't you win? And, you know, they didn't win against Michigan, so they're out. And then Michigan gets blown away anyway. So against uh, uh, Georgia, I, I assume Ohio State would have given them a better game, but we'll never know. So that, that really scares me when they can pick off the level of talent of quarterback like a Stroud because he looked as crazy as, as it may sound, I've been to him. I couldn't even count all the college football games I've been to, but I don't know that I've ever seen a better quarterback performance. Knowing that I have recency bias, but I'm trying to go back. This was just incredible. He was Steph Curry put on a show here later in the night at the college level. He put the show on that was similar to what Steph Curry does at the pro level in a different sport. Well, for looking for a better performance, as good as he was against the Utes, he was better against Michigan State. They didn't need two punts to warm up against Michigan State. Hit the ground running. Hit the air running. That too. (laughs) So, tip your hat. Way to go. But for me, if I'm a Ute this morning, and I get it. And maybe it's because I'm getting softer as I get older, but I get the feeling of pride for your football team because what they had to overcome with the deaths of the players and all that stuff was just incredible. And and I wrote about it and put it. They published it yesterday, and I got some uh, tons of blowback. Uh, yeah, they didn't beat a team outside of their crappy conference. I mean, that's that's not where it's at for me this morning. It's about Is that BYU fan saying that. Mm-hmm. Oh, I well, assume so. They went five and zero against the Pac twelve too. I mean, they lost to Baylor. They beat Virginia. That was going to come down to who had the ball last until Virginia's well, Virginia quarterback was got a hurt. Six and six team. Yeah, what did they freaking do? Yeah, in a pretty pretty <laughs> average league itself. Yeah, and you beat a six and six team from two time zones away that had to come to your your stadium. That lost their quarterback with the game on the line. Apparently, they lost their quarterback with the game on the line. Yes. Uh, so. Good, good for you. But it wasn't. It's, that's not what it's about. When I evaluate Utah's season, it, there's a natural order of life, and having twenty, twenty-two year olds, eighteen year olds, and, and it had been Covey twenty-four year old. Whoop de do. Having them dealing with two deaths in the spans of ten months. That's not the natural order of life. Your grandparents are supposed to die when they're in, hopefully, in their eighties and maybe even nineties if you can get there. That, that's the natural order. It's sad anytime anybody dies, but at least you can deal with it better. But when an 18-, 19-year-old and a 20-, 21-year-old die, and you have to deal with that. It's devastating. Yeah. And you are still able to find some focus. And, you know, you talk about I'm not in that locker room, and I can't look into someone's heart like that. And then that motivated you to what degree. I'm not sure, but they say it did. But, you know, how do you deal with that? And and they had to deal. Not everybody on the team was a close personal friend of those two young men. I get that. But there's you know somebody on the team who was, and you have associations, and they're your teammates, and you had to deal with it. That That's where this morning to me, it's about a celebration of the Utah football program having – one heck of a run. It came up three points short, and they didn't beat anybody out of the crappy Pac-12. None of that matters to me this morning. That that's then I thought about it driving home, and I had a big long drive home yesterday, and so I thought about it, and and that's the, I got I got to be true to what I think, and then that's what I think. So it's not just the local homer take, although we are your local homers. Hi, how you doing? But 
if you follow social media and look at national personalities, and I think it was impacted by the fact that the, the playoff semifinals were such lopsided games. They were just so bad. They weren't entertaining. They were turn them off kind of games. Oh, absolutely. They were both. It, it, before In the second quarter of both games, you knew who was going to win. You absolutely knew. So to get this game that was crazy and to watch people who have no buy-in to either school be wildly entertained by the game, that's what you're hoping for. And that's, you know, New Year's Day is a celebration of college football with the games all day long. And you hope the games all day long are that entertaining. The festival was pretty wild in its own right. So I don't think you're you're coloring outside the lines here. That that was the deal for people who had no buy-in. And obviously you fans have the buy-in because they're more into the story and they're into the 30-year climb to get to this moment. And Yeah, you won the Pac-12. Let's not forget that. You won the Pac-12 in your 11th year. Still plenty of schools that don't or haven't. Haven't done it yet. Or haven't done it in... Virtually everyone's lifetime, or yeah. sixty years, whatever it might be. That's a long time, and you got to go. And this is your third time winning the thing. Washington's, as far as the South, yeah. Washington State's coming up on twenty years, and UCLA's coming up on twenty-five, and Arizona's over forty, and Ohio, Oregon State's over fifty, and Cal it's been over sixty years. Yeah, and the, the, the guy from the Los Angeles Times wrote about how uh, SC's chasing Utah. Pretty good position to be in. I believe there were 11 other teams in the conference that would say, you get to the goal to the Rose Bowl, but you lose by three, you're going to take it. I'm pretty sure they say yes. So, a lot to be happy about. And if and I, I, I don't feel proud for them because I'm not a Ute. I didn't grow up here. But if you have any association to that program, I get where you do. You feel proud. You feel a sense of pride in your football program. And I saw that a lot on social media. To me, you know, especially if you're like 50, 60 years old, and that's kind of hokey on some 18-year-old makes you feel proud, but and you don't even know the guy. But if that's what you feel, I think it's legitimate because you have that association and that connection to your university and that's way cool. And if you went, I, I would I would love to hear from somebody who went to the Rose Bowl who had a bad experience Saturday. Because I don't think there was anybody. You know, the food lines were long. I get all that. And so there was some of that going on. Uh, and the merchandising lines were long. I get, I get that. And they were incredibly long. As I watched it, well, that's, but, but you got eighty-seven thousand. I was going to say that's part. Of, that's part of the problem when you have eighty percent of the crowd. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the hundred percent goes to eat. But and you know, there probably the beer was overpriced if you were so inclined to do that. But that's that's the way it is there, and it's probably never going to change on the on the Rose Bowl on a when it's it was virtually sold out. There may have been scattering. Of seats here and there but other than that the experience the venue and and it's like i said for those of you who have gone down for regular season there's no comparison absolutely none now i've been both many times over so i spoke from experience and you could just feel it no nobody is there except for a few hardcore tailgaters 
four and five hours ahead of time where there were tens of thousands of folks there four and five hours ahead of time. And the crowds just continued to flow as the parade got over. It was a two-hour parade. And seeing that bomber thing fly over the parade <laughs> and then over the stadium, looking like Batman up there in the yeah. sky. And that is just so incredible. LeVar Burton was the Grand Marshal. LeVar Burton. He's standing like five. I was five feet away from LeVar Burton. Nice. Yeah. How cool is that? <laughs> That's great. <laughs> LeVar came out for the coin toss, too. And then in the parade, a lot of horses and a lot of big cheers for the pooper scoopers behind them. Nice. <laughs> Got to keep Colorado Boulevard pristine. And the road apples, the high school bands and the college bands. I mean, there's there's nothing like it. There's because the parade is a significant part of the game day experience. And there's nothing. There's literally nothing that compares to that. I know of no other parade the morning of the game. There's probably one, but I don't know of it. And like the Fiesta Bowl parade, I'd been to that because I lived there, and I went there when the Utes were there. But it's a few days before down Central Avenue in Phoenix. And, you know, it's a, it's a ways away from either Glendale, where the game's now, or Tempe. Here, it's literally within walking distance. It's a decent walk, but it's a, it, you can walk it. And... and Thousands of people did walk it, and you're walking through those beautiful old home neighborhoods and you know centuries old trees. It's just it is the most unique and pleasant experience you're going to have. It's almost like you don't even need your team to win. I suppose if you get blown out forty five nothing, that's another story. But that's not what happened. They scored the game winning points with nine seconds to go. So you got. 99.9% of your money's worth. And that's why you fans today, they're ecstatic over the experience. Every single one of them was there. I, I guarantee you, you cannot find one who had a bad experience at the Rose Bowl. Not one. I'm, I promise you, I guarantee it. Not one. That's the dare, people. Yeah. Now we're just going to have someone come on and lie about it. That's how awesome it was. They can't, but I could sniff out on it. You can't BS a BSer. Never could, never will. You got your BS and BSing, so there yeah. you go. Yes, and I, I'm the king of BSing. Everybody knows that by now. All right, DJ and PK, you fans, you want to hop on the air, 855-340-ZONE, your Rose Bowl experiences. We will uh, hear about them coming up. And we got a Cougar fan weighing in on a take that probably has some truth to it. Most Cougar fans weighing in are, are griping. But some truth to it. We'll get to that next. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. The new Zone lineup is here. Give it up, give it up, With the best coverage of the sports you love and the teams you can't live without. Catch DJ and PK mornings from 6 to 10. Followed by Jake Scott and Ben Anderson from 10 to noon. Get your daily fix of Hans and Scotty from noon to 3. And then the Zone welcomes unrivaled with Alex Curie and former NFL quarterback Scott Mitchell to the team. Weekdays from 3 to 6. Live and local. All day, every day. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com. Just, uh... just a lot to take in. Um, it's starting to hit me finally, you know. I don't want to take my pads off. <laughs> um, 
just proud of this team and this program, this university. I, I just have a great love for the University of Utah. And sorry. What you can't see there is Devin Lloyd reaches over with his left hand, the fist gives him bones, and then starts talking. So take one for the team there so Britton can compose himself. Teammates right to the end. A couple of the guys who are leaving, Kyle Winningham pointing out 72 of the 85 scholarship players, freshmen and sophomore coming back. They're going to be young again next year. He kind of laughed ironically when he said that. You also couldn't see me dabbing my eyes with the tissue. Gotten getting a little smoky in there? No, I was crying. Yep. It was an emotional scene. I feel for those guys. We've all been there. The last time you did something like that, my wife always says that they make a big deal of the first time. Got to make a deal of the last time. Yeah. The first time you send a kid to school. What about the last time the kid goes out to high school? Well, you probably break out to Marnell. <laughs> different, different form of celebration. <laughs> not after the ringer you've been through, uh, not necessarily a sentimentality moment. Uh, but uh, sure, I can relate to that. I think I told the story uh, with Scotty and Hands in the postgame. I played one year of baseball outside of high school. Uh, and after that, it, uh, I remember the last game, and I knew this was it, unless we had some incredible rally. This was it. <laughs> it just didn't want it to end. It's heartbreaking. Walking back to the locker room at Monta Vista High after the last high school basketball game, I hear you. Especially if you know that you're done. He doesn't oh, yeah. know that he's done. No, he doesn't. Most of us do. Yeah, an overwhelming percentage know that that's it. You're not going anywhere. But he looked like an NFL return guy taking that kickoff back. Yeah. And the change of direction on that kick has got to impress people. The acceleration to pull away from two guys. And they're Ohio State guys. I don't know what their 40 times are, but I assume they're pretty fast or they wouldn't have been on Ohio State's kickoff team. Yes, obviously. That was an electrifying play. and He's had so many electrifying moments. And now that he's done, I think BYU fans even – well, root for him to have success and make an NFL roster on multiple levels. Uh, he represented your faith, if that's what you're interested in, uh, at a high level. He's an underdog. He's a small dude. He makes fun of himself. He did in the post game. 5 2 120. Yeah, talking about that. Uh, he is available. Uh, for interviews, gives you great answers. I, I just don't know how you don't root for that kid going forward. He's one of your own in many different ways. Utah kid, Utah County kid, blah, blah, blah. And he's done. He can't terrorize you anymore. <laughs> and so with that in mind, you should root for him to have an NFL future. It would be absolutely stunning if he can go out and do that. And so we'll see and wish him the best of luck and an amazing experience. And it made me appreciate it even more. You know, we we get all caught up on this. And the winning and losing is just so important at all. But to me, too, it's about the experiences. And it it would have been great if they would have won, and I'm sure he would have loved it if they would have won. But at the same time, uh, looking back, he's going to have such fond memories. And, and that, that's that's what it's about. And all the youth fans who went down there, 60,000 of you, you'll have a fond memory. And next time, there'll be 70,000. Because so many people said, I, oh, everybody's going to talk I had it the up. time of my life. Yeah. Yeah. 
And it was great. And just like I said, the weather was going to be great. It wasn't great leading up to it. But on Friday, it was okay. Saturday was okay. And, and it's, I, know, I know some people. I know people who went to the Charger game. I know people who went to Universal Studios yesterday. And they, they you flew know back some back Sunday to, night or you, coming back today. You know some people went back to Disneyland. Yeah. And so that's, that's a lot of fun. So you had the time of your lives. And that's what it's about. Ultimately, that's what it's about. And that's what they got out of it. We got some people weighing in. It is uh, mostly Ute fans saying that they had a great time. Scott says, what a wild game. That was a 12-round heavyweight fight, and Ohio State landed the last blow. Sure. Oh, yeah, and the game was crazy. It was a crazy game. So many different things. Well, the second quarter with so many touchdowns being scored so quickly. A one-play touchdown drive, a kickoff return for a score, a two-play touchdown drive. Yeah, we were laughing, taking bets on how many plays were going to be needed to score. Three, four plays, five plays. Yeah, and the youth scored on four right after that. Yeah. Because that was a fourth down run. I did think for a, a minute there, the 14 to nothing, we got another Oregon thing going on here? Are they going to smoke these guys? You're not alone. Yeah. It did cross my mind when they did that. Because even on the first drive when they punted, they moved the ball, and Ohio State didn't. Yeah. I was actually wondering, because I remembered that the Sugar Bowl started 21 nothing Utah before Alabama got their legs under them and started to fight back in the game. I thought, and they can't go up 21 nothing on Ohio State, too. I didn't, I didn't think so. I didn't think it was going to happen, but for a minute there, it did cross my mind. Are we going to see a three straight blowouts by the Utes? Wow, I can't believe this, that it could possibly happen. It turned out I was right, but it did cross my mind. This is what we're seeing. DJ and PK, let's go to the phones, 855-340-ZONE. Jake, good morning. Gentlemen, good morning. Hi, hey, look, I was down at both the Fiesta Bowl and the and the Sugar Bowl, both big both big wins for the youth. But I'm telling you, sitting there in this stadium, perfect weather, maybe a tinge cold, but not too bad. Perfect weather. I look around, 65, 70,000 youth fans, whatever it was. You see the mountains behind the stadium, and that B2 bomber flew over. Listen, I'm 40 years old, and I had to hold back the tears. It was a spectacular experience, and I do not care in the least that we lost. Yes, I would have preferred to win, but this, the, the feeling of being there, it was surreal. You look around, you see Utah in one end zone, you see Ohio freaking state in the other end zone, and it's like, man, look at us. And we belonged on that field with that team. We went toe-to-toe with those guys. They're super talented. They're incredible. One of the best offensive teams in the country, if not the best. And we made it a ball game. And I'm telling you what, the experience was next level. Nothing like you can imagine. PK, you're always right, as you know, and you were right again. I have been down to UCLA games, and I've been down in that stadium when there's 20,000 there. And this experience is night and day difference. It was spectacular. It was surreal. It was amazing, gentlemen. It was, it was incredible. Thanks for the call, Jake. 
Especially the PK's right part. (laughs) (laughs) Play that back. (laughs) But you go there for so many games. The first time I was there was for the first USC-UCLA game, because for a long time they were both at the Coliseum, and then UCLA moved over to the Rose Bowl. And it was packed, and the game went down the last play, and it was a great game. And the next time I was there was for a game in September with San Diego State at UCLA. There were 45,000 there. I'm like, something's missing. (laughs) Half the crowd brings uh, 99% of the energy. <laughs> 45,000 didn't do it. And it was a bad game. UCLA won big. And just it's the idea different. that you're playing in the actual Rose Bowl game. Game. You yeah. asked earlier if I feel vindicated. I can see why, now that I've thought about it, because I honestly never thought about it until you said it, so I've had about an hour to think about it. I can see why you asked that question. Because people always tell you you're wrong, even when you're right. And now people are like, yeah, that really was awesome. The only thing they didn't get was they didn't get to hug after the win the way you were hugging anonymous people. Or maybe, did you hug after the Rose Bowl, or is that after you beat USC at the Coliseum? I might be confusing you. at the Coliseum. Okay. At the Rose Bowl, I couldn't move. I was in shock. I was so numb. Wow. They ASU. The Rose but, it was, but it was similar. You're, you're early on, yeah. and ASU's on the biggest stage, and they beat yeah. Michigan just the way the caller says, man, it said Utah in one end and then Ohio State in the other. Yeah, 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 yeah. We See, belong. We're on the big stage. And you do. I didn't feel vindicated because I knew, and I'd been preaching this for 10 years since they got into the conference, I knew that I was 100% right. Mm-hmm. And I knew that... Y- it's not like people argued with me that, no, no, it can't be. The Sugar Bowl will be better, blah, 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 blah. I knew they didn't know, so I couldn't hold it against them. And I knew once they went and saw what I had been talking about. They realized how obviously true it was. Yes. So it's not like it was a... a conflict. They just didn't know. How could they know? They thought they knew because they'd been to the Fiesta. They'd been to the Sugar. They'd been to the Rose Bowl to see them play a regular season game. But they hadn't been there. Right. So they didn't know what they didn't know. So there was no vindication for me. I feel pleased this morning. I feel like the Wizard of Oz, basically. (laughs) I told you this is the way it would be. Yeah. You may have believed it, may you may not have believed it, but once you went there and saw that day-long experience, now you know. Now we're in the club. <laughs> in a way they couldn't be before. No. I went the, maybe you did too, the first time, no, you went to Arizona. The first time that Utah went to the uh, Rose Bowl Stadium was for a non-conference game with UCLA before they got in the league. And they played there, I think it was Kyle's second year, 2006, I think it was a season opener. And they uh, they got beat, but there were it was a season opener, and this is when UCLA still drew. I think there were like sixty seven thousand or something there. And I remember standing in the stadium there, going, "Well, this is way." B- I'm glad it's not that dreary San Diego State thing I was at. It's still not USC UCLA, and obviously it isn't the Rose Bowl. But there were I think nine or ten thousand U fans who went down there, and they sat them in a corner of the stadium, and uh, and they had a pie shape just. Deep red, which against UCLA's blue and gold really popped. But this was times what? The crowd must have been times six or se- six or seven times bigger. Totally different deal because the game has its own magic. 
on full display. You weren't there on a rainy day for a 30-point beating. The day has its own experience. you got to include the parade. The parade early, yeah. yeah. All right, DJ and PK, 855-340-ZONE. Back to the phones. And Jeff, Jeff, good morning. Hi, how are you? Good, good Jeff. Um, I, I have a story to tell you. Okay. After the game, we, me and my family went down to where the players came out and all that. And I'm telling you, my son, that just his birthday was on December 31st, and he's now 12, and he loved every minute of it because he got to meet Britton Covey after the game and got Britton Covey's autograph. And, you know, for a player that just lost one of their toughest games ever in his career, for to sign, take this minute and sign a football for a kid, that's a that's a price and memorable experience that you will never forget, and I won't ever forget that. So I've got to tell you, being at the Rose Bowl was just one of the most awesomest things ever. There you so go. I just want to let you guys know that. Thanks for the call. Yeah. Thanks for the call. Oh, yeah, and if you're 12 years old, Britton Covey, uh, who's what 36 now, uh, that, that's you're just going to look up to that, and it's going to be a tre- uh, uh, something you'll treasure. I mean, he scores two touchdowns in the game. He has probably the game's most electrifying play. Uh, just well, the, the surge of energy that went through that stadium when he's doing what he did. His balance on that play. Yeah, I mean, he, the guy can shift like that. I mean, anybody can run at that level. Not anybody, but, you know, to be able to... It was Barry Sanders-ish to move your body like that and still being able to maintain your balance your speed. Wow. I mean, that's two big cuts, pinball into your own guy, but don't go down. That would have wrecked everything. <laughs> yeah. And then the foot race. That might be the single greatest individual play in Utah football history. Well, didn't it remind you of the punt return at USC, except this time he got to the end zone? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that one, they caught him inside the five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And to see him break away and increase the distance. Once he was able to uh, get to about what, about the Ohio State's forty and get himself ready to go and see him pull away, just <laughs> remarkable. You know, it's funny that coaches it, sometimes they they just push your button, and not just coaches, but you know any personality doesn't even have to be sports for that matter. And, and some people just push your buttons, and for whatever reason, Nick Saban annoys me sometimes, but he doesn't annoy me nearly as much as he annoys a lot of other people. But for whatever reason, Ryan Day bugs me. Ryan Day? I don't know why, but he just, when he's talking, it's just like this joyless, humorless, just, I don't know what it is. But at halftime, and I don't know if you caught this because you're at the game and usually they have the broadcast on, but you can't always hear it. And they're asking at halftime, and he's talking about all the things they have to get better, and our kickoff coverage team has to get better. And I'm thinking, who's the bonehead who kicked the ball to Britton Covey in the first place? The kicker. And who told the kicker to kick it deep? Who authorized it? Yes. Urban Meyer. <laughs> Ryan's got Urban <laughs> on the headset. Urban is remote control. Like Phil Knight. <laughs> Still controlling the Ohio State football program. Like, come on, you're this gazillion dollar coach. That's fan obvious. That's the kind of stuff you ought to be able to figure out if you're just sitting in row 28 watching the game. Oh, I shouldn't kick it to that guy. You got a gazillion dollar staff and all the money in the world and all the analysts in the world, and you kick the ball to Britton Covey. I wouldn't blame the eleven guys running down the field. Here's a mirror, dude. Come on. Oh yeah, but they did it on the last play of the game. They did. They started trying to kick it shorter. They did. 
And uh, so they could be on top of him when he got the ball and he yeah. didn't have a chance to get a running start and pick up, find a lane and all that stuff. Right, right, right. They did do that. So there was a little strategy involved there, right. obviously. All right, DJ and PK, we still got uh, more reaction coming from fans, some from youth, some from Cougars and Aggies as well. We will get to that coming up. DJ and PK, Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider, will join us at 9 o'clock. So if you want to get your football takes in, 855-340-ZONE, we can get you next. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. This, this, this is Hans Olsen and Scotty G. It's what you want. You know I was babysat until 8th grade. Dolores Arnold used to babysit me every day after school. And Dolores? Her husband. Yeah. Look how you got like 220-pound 8th grade hands. Would you Can we not focus on that? You're like, hey, Dolores. Hi, Hans. I think it's funny the thought of an 8th grade Hans Olsen probably pushing two bills. He's <laughs> sitting in and being babysat. You guys let me know when you're done so I can finish my story. Tell us more about Dolores. Anyways, her husband, Don, liked MASH. Sitting next to Don on the couch watching MASH. Hey, (laughs) Don, can I borrow your shaver? (laughs) Catch Hans and Scotty every day from noon to 3 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. And now, your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealer's strong play of the weekend. Look at Covey weaving his way. Look out, Britton Covey accelerates. Can they run him down? No, they can't. Britton Covey, yet another house call as a returner. This one in the Rose Bowl, 97 yards. What a memory in his final game at Utah. Venture Chevy strong play of the game. Know it today, unrivaled. On uh, 450, right before they go to the Jazz pregame at 5 o'clock, you can win fabulous prizes. It is time right now to hear from more of you, 855-340-ZONE. We've also got other people weighing in. Uh, there's a, a little bit of bitterness, mostly PK. It's people reveling in a great Rose Bowl experience. Right. And Rob, from an Aggie fan, he says they represented Utah well. They just didn't have quite enough. That was a fun team to watch. Now, Wade says, blah, ha, ha, 700 yards against Ohio State's second string. Oh, shut up. With and Aaron guys. says, conference of champions, 0-5, referencing the bowl record. The Big 12 sounds really good. Yeah, in your big season, you beat all those teams in a crappy year. <laughs> and lost to the Big 12 team you played. <laughs> yeah, you get a little Oklahoma State, and you got a lot of work to do. And they know it. I've talked to them. They do have. They a lot have of work no to illusions. Do. No, absolutely they know, not. No, they they've seen film and they know how yeah. to match up with Baylor and they know how to match up with Oklahoma State. Yeah. And right now, not good. We all saw that on the field with Baylor. They figured it out watching Oklahoma State tape. Yeah, and that's okay though. I mean, you that's what you want. You want to be tested. You want to have your program grow. You'll get better recruits and get some guys in your program for sure. So, but you're gonna have your work cut out for you. And they know it. Those coaches know it. They, it's, it's almost like some of them have been prepping me so that I would say it. Yeah. So uh, you're not asleep at the wheel. And make sure fans understand the task at hand. And I get it. But you already knew because you watched the Baylor game. Oh, yeah, yeah. It occurred but, to you. But, but, but Oklahoma State just, is a great football program. Let's not be confusing it with and, that at all. And Phil Knight, the only difference is their guy uh, died. But he pumped money into it, and they bought their way right to the top. There's a lot of parallels with Oregon. And nevertheless, they're really good. Mm-hmm. And Baylor's good, and 
They've got some good football programs. That that's going to be a much more difficult test than what they've had. And good, that's what they want. This is there was a no brainer to go in it, and now they're ready to go. And this is this is this is going to be something for them to to have to get better at. Yeah, and and yeah, the defense Utah it sucked. Too many yards. Too much. Offense by Ohio State, all that stuff is true. But I also think, too, this is the best offense they've played by far. Yes, and it wasn't close. It's not debatable. So, and in Utah, you know, we can, that, the thing that's what bugs me about, oh, well, Ohio State sent their second team. You had to put a cornerback, a running back, a cornerback. And like, well, that doesn't count. Okay, so well, Ohio State's missing five guys, but we the, have to put a corner, uh, running back, a corner in the run up to the game. We knew Ohio State was going to be shorthanded. We didn't know how shorthanded the Utes were going to be. I didn't. I didn't find out until day of, probably about three hours before that Bernard was going to be in the secondary. Yeah, and I still, even with that in mind, I didn't think he was going to get that much play. I knew he was going to be in there, but I didn't think that it was going to be basically every play. I, even though I was told ahead of time, I still didn't know that. He thought like he's the nickelback or he's going to be spelling guys rotating yeah, through. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what, that's what I thought. As opposed to, you're the guy, good luck. Yeah. Yeah, go cover this dude who already ran uh, over a 1,000 yards receiver with a Heisman finalist quarterback throwing him the ball. That's a recipe for disaster. Well, guess what? It was a disaster. disaster. 573 (laughs) yards, six touchdowns, and 48 points later. Yeah. All right, Scott's on the line. Scott, good morning. You're on the air with DJ and PK. All right, DJ and PK, you Southern California lovers. Yeah. What is up with the Rose Bowl? What a dump. (laughs) It's it's 100 years old, dude. (laughs) Yeah, but we We haven't talked about the the worst part of the stadium. The worst part of the stadium, to me, without question, is those tunnels you have to take to get in. I have gone in those tunnels in a crowd. I don't really have a claustrophobia problem, but I sure did in that tunnel. Didn't like it. Can't believe when they've redone it that that hasn't been changed. It's magical. It's not a dump. We have a lightning delay. Where do you go? Everybody into the tunnel. <laughs> what if you have an earthquake? Yeah. Yeah. What, what if planes fly into the stadium? I mean, where are you going with this? That's how you're going to live your life? What if we have a lightning delay on January 1st? Well, if we have a lightning delay, we, we're, we're out there. How many times have they had a lightning delay on January 1st? Hey, where's the parking lot? Where's the parking lot at the freaking golf course? Yeah, what more do you want? And, you you finally after- get to drive the fairway. Yeah, really. And and if they have five inches of rain, it's a muddy, crappy mess. Yeah, they did have. They had historic rains. You're right. You got me there. They literally had the rainiest time ever during a 48 year period by two days. Yep, they had them. Yep, they did. And, Don't and blame the, the Rose Bowl people. Blame God. Blame the uh, blame climate control and all that. Come on, man. <laughs> Don't freaking blame the Rose Bowl. What are you thinking? Upgrade it. Up yours. Make it better. <laughs> but I did love the whole weekend. So. 
Except for wanting to tear down the historic stadium. Except for, except for one thing. It's on a national historic site. You can't mess with it. No. It's against the law. And, and besides, football in it. If, you, if you've ever been to a brand new dome, domes are a weird place to play football. It's too antiseptic. It's, it's Antiseptic? Yes. Yeah, nice. Thank you. <laughs> the Alamo Bowl. It felt like it was in a convention center. I don't know what was going on there. It was weird. The salt tower. There's no electricity in the bathrooms. The, the play clock doesn't work. They come out in the third quarter and they start off at fourteen fifty six. That's what makes it even better because you're going back a hundred plus yeah. years. Brandy Chastain took off her shirt in that very venue, and you want it changed? Oh my goodness! Let's just pick upgrade. out something defaulting about the upgrade. Mona Lisa while you're at it. I didn't like the lighting in that it's room. It's too small. <laughs> the Mona Lisa's too small. <laughs> yeah, but didn't you think it should have been dramatic in that room? And you go in there, it's a little like a second grade elementary school. Yeah, it, it is. It was weird. Oh, brother. I was disappointed. All right, thanks for the call, Scott. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. More of you hitting us up on Twitter, David DJ James. You're getting, despite Scott and his negativity towards... The National Historic An Site. iconic is. venue. That's what's that called charm. <laughs> that is the Rose Bowl. In that setting? Come on. We're getting a ton of people saying just what an awesome experience it was. If you can say that after a loss, then it must have really been awesome. I mean, if you win, then it's easy to say. Oh, that was great. Oh, for sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's where I think people should go. Go towards the experience of getting there early in the day. And going to the parade, if you went, not everybody went, but if you did go, experiencing that, it's legendary, man. And it's, you played a legendary game. It's been going when, on forever. When people list a handful of great games, that one will be in there. That one's there. Obviously, the USC-Texas game with Mitch Young running to the corner of the end zone to win it, that's got to be up there. Georgia and Oklahoma's double overtime thing has got to be up there. Don't talk about Ohio State beating the Devils in the final second. If you do, I'm going to punch you. (laughs) I'll give you a pass. Everybody's in a good mood. Man, this is like golf. You're using your mulligan on the first tee. You're using a mulligan here on uh, January 3rd. See, I think that if you... uh if you were in that situation, if you're the Sun Devils and you were literally a couple of seconds away from winning the national title, okay. But what's Utah going to drop down to 13th, maybe? Then 11 and 3 or 10 and 4. Yeah. the As opposed to undefeated. The, the ramification of yeah. the loss was minimal. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider, joins us next. Jazz lost to the Warriors on Saturday. How good is Golden State? And Jazz off on a five-game road trip. It starts tonight in New Orleans. Tip-off at 6 o'clock. Pre-game show at 5 here on The Zone. Steve Cleveland coming up next. Stay with us. Steve Cleveland's weekly appearance here with DJ and PK is brought to you by Mountainland Supply, where the pros go for plumbing, landscaping, irrigation, agricultural irrigation, HVAC parts, tools, and safety equipment. Find a location near you at mountainland.com. Steve, good morning. Good morning. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. And the New Year kicked off with the Utes in the Rose Bowl, which was an enormous game and an enormous event. And you live in California, so you know all about that. And you've also lived in Utah, so you know how uh, crazy our state goes for big events. And we certainly did. And then there was a little game afterwards where the Utes played the Warriors. Excuse me, the Jazz played the Warriors. And I came away with that thinking, 
Oh my gosh, the Warriors have done such a great job of developing role players and young guys. Wiggins has a level of confidence now. He did not blink in the fourth quarter. He scored nine straight points, and Steph Curry made big shots before that and after it. So it's not like Curry didn't do anything, because he did. But And I know when you reintegrate guys, it could mess things up, but I'm feeling like the Warriors should be the overwhelming favorite to win the championship. Am I out of my mind? Is this recency bias because I just watched that game? Well, you know, uh, first of all, I agree with you, uh, especially when I sat there on Twitter or Instagram or somewhere, somewhere and I saw Clay Thompson make 24 three-pointers in the pregame. <laughs> I mean, they, they showed him making all 24. Somewhere on social media, I watched it a day or two ago, and it showed Clay making 24 threes in a row. Uh, he's he's going to be back soon. I, we'll see how that all figures out. But, I, you know, here's the thing about the Warriors. I actually watched that game. And I don't have an eye, and, and I've watched pretty much all of it. I just, for whatever reason, I don't normally watch all of NBA games, but I was so intrigued by that game. And I'm, I'm telling you right now that Andrew Wiggins, I mean, he's, he's an all star. I mean, he, I don't know if he'll make the all star team, but I'll tell you what, he is playing with such confidence, such resolve, and uh, it's fun to watch him, man. I mean, he is a huge piece of that. And th- and then to watch Otto Porter Jr., who I really don't even know, and I you know I, mean, I know him because I live in California, and everybody here is a Golden State fan in Northern California. But he has been just amazing. And then in that game, Iguodala hit big shots. And besides the fact that uh, uh, you know they they had 39 assists, that just tells tells you. I mean, I'm sitting there watching my Lakers and just sick to my stomach. And there's no movement, and and Golden State just is in constant motion, and uh, you know, and they had to make big shots at the end to win, and and the Jazz certainly, I don't know, they scored at least I think 40 or so in the third quarter. They got themselves in a position where they could win that game. Wow, just thinking about Clay coming back and what this team's got going, that coaching staff, that organization, uh, they've really turned Wiggins and Porter and Iguodala. We you know you're going to get what you get, but. He hit a huge three in that game. But, uh, yeah, I, I came away feeling the same thing, is that these guys, it, they are hard to guard. And and they and they do rely on perimeter shots, but they have great shooters. Yeah, they really do. I like the one play where um, Curry's coming around from the left side, and he gets the ball in front of the Jazz bench, and he turns around and squares on, shoots all in one motion and drops in a three. And Ron Boone was doing the the uh, color commentating, and I like what he said. There was no, oh my gosh, and oh no, uh, hyperbolic standard or statement. I always say that word. He just said, he's unbelievable. And the way he said it, it just like I'm gonna go walk the dog. He's unbelievable. <laughs> and I thought about it, and that's really the best way to sum it up. Because it's happened so often for so long that you don't need to scream and yell and go, Dick Vitale, I'm a old baby, and all that stuff. Just, he's unbelievable. And really, that says it all to me in an understated way to try to describe what this fellow can do out on the basketball floor. Yeah, and, and he's in a perfect system that's been developed for him. And, uh, and because you do have to spend a great deal of time chasing him and and, and, and finding him and knowing where he's at, which allows other guys to get more open shots. And then that's what happens on great teams that have great players. 
And, and what defines, I think, great teams is, is you know, your fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh guys down, you know, in the depth chart. When when they can, they just play with so much confidence, and, and I just can't tell you enough. I, I've just never seen a team move. And, and, and you know, listen, Phoenix and Utah are are great teams as well. They're going to be right in there, but nobody moves the ball offensively and. And they're underrated defensively as well. I mean, you don't think of Golden State, but I, I, I didn't realize it. But I think I heard somebody say that they were like, in terms of just points scored, they're, Golden State's number one in the NBA defensively. Now, I don't know. There's lots of categories. But uh, I think they're right up there at one or two. And, and we're always talking about their offense, but the the defense is, is really, really, really good. And, and – uh, a good friend of mine, Ron Adams, who was there for a long – he's still there with the Warriors. He's, he's not on the front bench anymore. He's in a more of a supportive role. But, you know, I consider him one of the geniuses of the game. I watched him as a high school coach and a college coach, a junior college coach. But we, we do talk a great deal, but Golden State is really, really good defensively in terms of principles and where they're supposed to be. They're just – I guess the best word for me is they are absolutely connected at both ends of the floor. They are number one in defensive rating. I looked up while you were talking. Jazz are six, Suns are two, Warriors are one right yeah, now. I mean, and you could tell Ron Adams, the Gauchos really would have been somebody if he hadn't left. I'm still a little bummed about that. Thanks. Thanks for that. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll let him know that when yeah, you think when I see him. <laughs> That's probably, probably the only person who says that to him, but nonetheless. So when I, I always uh, say this, and then Peak always gets mad at me. Uh, but the NBA is a copycat league, whatever works, right? And so the pick and roll, which when Jerry Sloan had Stockton alone doing it, oh, Jerry's old school. This offense is old school. Now you flash forward 25, 30 years, and everybody's running the pick and roll, and the Warriors is old school. At times, I think I see bits of the flex offenses pass and cut away thing that we ran when I was in high school. Is the whole league going to spin around to that in a few years? Because the thing that really helps the Warrior defense is everybody's chasing these guys around, fighting through screens. It's bound to leave some guys fatigued and some guys missing shots late in game. Their offense is absolutely helping their defense. Well, I don't care what level you're at. If you're a high school coach or you're a junior college coach or Division One coach in the NBA, Coaches watch a lot of film, and, and we, you know, coaches steal from others uh, concepts, ideas, uh, set plays, quick hitters, you know, whatever it might be. So there, there will be an influence, and, and I, and I think that, you know, you, you build a team and an organization for a system, and Golden State has that system, and they know what they're looking for. You know, I, I've watched Cleveland play a couple of times, and and they're doing things so dramatically different with playing three seven footers. Well. That's not going to be something that a lot of people jump into because most teams aren't going to play three seven-footers at the same time. But teams like Golden State, teams like the Jazz, teams like Phoenix, they're kind of the standard bearers in the NBA. And and, and I, 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 there's no way that every coach in the NBA and all of their assistants, and, and you know they've got so much experience in the game, is that you do see uh, Princeton principles. You do see flex action you, you, you do see a wheel action. You do see a lot of back screens and back cuts. A lot of things that were prevalent in, at the collegiate level, with, depending on the program. And now, you know, it, 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 you, you see a lot of this type of movement. You didn't used to see this. I mean, the Lakers are still just playing power basketball, pounded, and, and, and 
and do that. But the, the game is changing. And I, I watched Charlotte play for, for a few minutes of the day, and guys are moving. And So, yeah, I, I do believe the league is going to go to more movement, more action with that. I mean, the, the ball screen is not going away. It, it's certainly going to be a, a prevalent part of the NBA. But it, it, it's, it's one of those things that movement with ball screens, with back cuts, just the timing issues and, and, and the constant movement makes you really, really hard to guard. Now, that being said, you don't have guys that are really good shooters. And, you know, you kind of sometimes have to adjust to your talent. And where, where is the strength of our teams? And I was watching Cleveland. You know, you, you look at Mobley, young kid here, and, and they're kind of pounding the ball inside. And then Kevin Love steps out, hits some threes. So everybody has their own identity, a lot of it depending on personnel. But if you, I mean, I'm watching Chicago, for instance. I mean, who would have ever thought that Chicago would be, you know, in first place in the NBA East? We knew those trades took place and we saw what happened. But, you know, they're, they're a, a team that can score in transition, they can beat you off the dribble. You know, they're not running – there's not a lot of action, but they keep the floor spread and they have to respect shooters. And uh, they have, you know, they have guys that, to exactly mean who can really attack the basket. So that's not gone away. A, a lot of the dribble drive and, and the penetration action is a big part of the NBA. It's also a big part of high school basketball in California right now and throughout, throughout the country. So uh, we do. Coaches will take and watch. And, uh, and and make tweaks. And that's one of the fun things about coaching is whether it's quick hitters, like I used to always watch out-of-bounds plays, quick hitters, ISOs, late-game stuff. I, I, when I would watch basketball, when I was really involved, I was always taking notes and implementing. And if any time you have a dead ball or a timeout, you know, you need to come out of that timeout with some kind of action that's different than what you've been doing to kind of get a have an advantage. And so I know I know the NBA guys are all watching each other, and some have the personnel to play like, you know, Golden State to a certain degree, but a lot of them don't have that personnel set to play that way. But certainly the concepts of all these different types of actions that have accumulated over the years, it's uh, it, the, the NBA is not. Just, I mean, obviously the screen and roll is a, a big part of that, and and uh, but there's a lot of other stuff going on that. Uh, has really made the NBA fun to watch. From the Jazz perspective, I think they're going to have to play much better to beat the Warriors if they should get them in a postseason or even Phoenix for that matter. But if I look at this individual game uh, against the Warriors, they lost and you you don't accept losing and don't think that uh, it's okay by any stretch. But if I look at it, I sort of can just say to myself, I can rationalize very easily with you got Ingles, 1 of 7, 0 of 6 from 3, Mitchell, 4 of 19, 2 of 9, Conley, 4 of 13, 2 of 6. Shots didn't fall. So from the Jazz perspective, I'm nowhere near getting nervous or pushing any type of panic button. No, especially when, you know, because it was, it was an aberration. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't have all the analytics that access to all that, but Mitchell going 4 for 19 at home. I, you know, if that happened to Golden State, okay, that makes sense. But, but you're right. They, they didn't shoot the ball well. And, I mean, the third quarter they played well. But, but they're, they're a team that uh, has the capacity and capability to beat Golden State. And Golden State, I mean, Iguodala had made some big shots. And we keep saying that, you know, when you, when you take a look at 
at, at the shooters that Golden State has, but they made big baskets late in the game, and they've got a lot of confidence. But, you know, when, when it comes down to nutcracking time and it's time to win games, you get in the playoffs and things, you know, I, I think teams are going to play. You know, I mean, I, you're going to see – you've seen a little bit already, but guys are going to get doubled. You know, you're going to play people differently. You're going to give certain guys shots. And that all gets figured out through the course of the year. But when playoffs time comes, you know, you, you've got to have a solid foundation offensively and defensively. But oftentimes adjustments in games are, are the difference where, hey, you know what, we're going to take the ball out of Steph's hand every time he touches it. We're going to make somebody else beat be us. Well, right now, Andrew Wiggins, Otto Porter Jr., and uh, I forgot another, another young player, they've stepped up and made those shots when, you know, you took the, took the ball out of his hands. But Clay Thompson coming back, it's going to be even more difficult. But I, I don't think there's any reason for the Jazz or the Phoenix Suns uh, or, uh, you know, a few other teams there in the West that, I mean, well, those are the top three, and they're probably going to be there right at the end. But there's no reason to panic on that. It's, it's one of those things that I see, uh, you know, there's what? We, probably, we played half, I mean, we pretty much played almost half the season. And so there's a lot of basketball left. But I like the Jazz a lot, and I think they have a great opportunity. Uh, but they, when they have bad shooting, actually, because they're not, they're not getting a lot of points in the paint. I mean, Gobert is scoring around the paint and stuff, and there's not a lot of attacking the rim. Certainly, Mitchell is the, is the one guy on that team that can really take it to the rack, rack and, and create, as well as Clarkson at times. But you know, they're, they're right in the thick of it, and uh, they just got to keep playing and uh, – doing what they're doing. But the adjustments that could happen and make – you're in the second half of this season, there will be adjustments, and people will play people differently. And then when they get to the playoffs, the same – there will be more adjustments. But, I, I mean, Utah offensively is number one in the, you know, in the league. Offensively, one number one field goal percentage. Uh, they're, you know, in, in the top five or six defensively. I mean, they're right there in a position to, to win an NBA championship. And I, I think that's um, that's what they're thinking, and I know that's what the fans are hoping. On the college basketball front, the West Coast Conference had the entire uh, schedule wiped out this weekend. The Pac-12 played uh, two games and had three games canceled. How many games a week can college kids be playing? I know in AAU they play a bunch of games, but they're not getting on planes and flying all over the place uh, between every game either. Uh, how should these games be rescheduled? You think, if they should? You know, I I I, I don't I don't know how they're going to do it. And uh, you know, it's the WCC is not you know they're not going across the country for games, and and you, you know the distances uh, they all live on the West Coast, so it's probably easier there where people can get on a bus, don't even have to worry about a flight, and get to games. But I, I think it's going to be it's problematic. I I just worry that when I start seeing seven, eight, nine, ten games being postponed. It, it, to be honest with you, I, I don't know. I kind of, I don't know if this is a conspiracy theory or what, or, you know, is this all COVID? Is it situations where they have these health protocols like the NBA has? Uh, is, I mean, everything seems to be asymptomatic. Uh, somebody gets tested positive. I, I don't even know what the time frame is for college players. Do they have to wait three or four days or 48 hours to be retested again? I don't understand a lot of that. My, my thinking is, and, and this is, I don't know, I'm sitting there thinking, 
our, our programs, you hope it's all on the up and up. You know, well, we've got we've got a kid here. We're playing Gonzaga on Wednesday, and we do have a couple kids with you know, COVID, and, and I don't think we want to take a chance. I mean, I don't know who's making these decisions. I hope it's athletic directors, and I hope it's at the highest level of integrity. But when you start seeing all this, you go, wow, how are they going to figure this out? You know, and is it going to come back down to uh, – because they're not going to be able to make up all the games. I just don't see that happening. And how are we going to decide – who qualifies it? Is the conference tournament going to be exactly who I would determine? And then, you know, when you examine uh, the pedigree of a team over some teams play 17 games, some play 22, some play 28, uh, I, that for me is uh, hard to, to grasp and put my arms around. It, it makes me nervous. It just does make me nervous. And uh, hopefully they it, it, it resolves itself and we can get things figured out. But uh, you know, guy, you played Gonzaga twice, and you played BYU once, and St. Mary's twice, and USF once, and, and, and you know you got five or six losses, and then there's other teams in your league who haven't played, only played one of those teams. Where's the parity? How's that all going to get figured out? Will it just be the you know the NA, the net or the RPI of a team that you know gets teams into the NC2A tournament? Those things, it just kind of it reminds me of things that happened a couple of years ago that uh, I hope we don't go to that point because it's just, you, you want to see this time of the year, you want to be able to see teams play collegiately. And, and that, that, this is an exciting time, especially in February and March. Hey, Steve Cleveland. He joins us every week here to talk basketball on the zone, the former BYU basketball coach. Steve, we appreciate it. Thank you. Hey. Thanks, guys. Have a good week. All right, you too. Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider, brought to you by Mountainland Supply. When we come back, everything you missed in this show, a lot of Rose Bowl talk. We will get to that next. Stay with us. This this, this is Hans Olsen and Scotty G. It's what you want. You know I was babysat until eighth grade. Dolores Arnold used to babysit me every day after school. And Dolores? Her husband. Yeah. Like, he got like 220-pound <laughs> eighth grade hands. Would you Can we not focus on that? You're like, hey, Dolores. Hi, Hans. I think it's funny the thought of an eighth grade Hans Olsen probably pushing two bills. He's <laughs> sitting in and being babysat. You guys let me know when you're done <laughs> so I can finish my story. Tell us more about Dolores. Anyways, her husband, Don, liked MASH. Sitting next to Don on the couch watching MASH. Hey, (laughs) Don, can I borrow your shaver? (laughs) Catch Hans and Scotty every day from noon to 3 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. 9 a.m. Slacker Radio Headlines brought to you by Lee's Heating and Air. Lee's Heating and Air, home to the award-winning line of American Standard Furnaces and Air Conditioners. Call Lee's now for their $59 furnace tune-up special or visit them online at leesheatac.com. Talked a lot of football this morning, a little bit of NFL. There's tons of storylines there. A lot of Utes in the Rose Bowl. The... uh, NFL, man, there were a lot of quarterbacks with Utah ties playing this weekend. Taysom Hill got a start in New Orleans. Tyler Huntley got a start in Baltimore. Zach Wilson, his 12th start for the Jets. His last... Sam Darnold's first start came in Utah? Yeah. Yeah, I love that. It's a Utah tie. <laughs> okay. Uh, Zach Wilson, his first six games before he got hurt, four touchdowns, nine picks. He's played six games since he came back now. Four touchdowns, only two picks. Making fewer of the big mistakes. Tying in up the act a little bit. 
Nearly beat the Bucks, but Tampa Bay got it done. Yeah, that was the worst quarterback sneak in the history of quarterback sneaks. <laughs> Fourth and two. <laughs> that guy in motion yeah, like might be better on a flight. Six guys up behind there yeah. in the line of scrimmage defensively. Well, he got a half a yard. And it was a mix-up. And then the defense didn't do him any favors, and Brady builds to his legend, which is just impossible. Cause right legend. down the field, throw the yeah. 33-yard touchdown pass with 15 seconds left to win the game. He goes over the bench and like, he's thrown 40 touchdowns this year at the age of 44. Yeah, you see what they can do in the postseason. And the Antonio Brown situation, and that's not good. I mean, I don't think that there's any enjoyment in any of that stuff. He needs to get some help there. Something's going on. Obviously, something's been going on. It's been going on for a long time. So maybe this is the sort of the come-to-Jesus moment, as they say, and and get some professional help. Uh, but the Bucks just keep winning. The Packers roll. Yeah, play, the Vikings had Sunday night games in Green Bay. Uh, Al Michaels is like, I'm not doing every game this year. Well, then I'm checking out a Lambo in January. Forget that. Mike Tirico can have that game. I know. I'm staying warm. How cold could that be? People are out there, and the one guy they showed drinking beer with no shirt on, his flabby gut. <laughs> Well, you see all the Bills fans in the snow and Buffalo, the Bills same fans, deal. And then we also had a yeah. hockey game played in sub-zero temperatures and players walking out in, like, board shorts. But but the Bills in the day, you can't avoid that unless they build a dome. I right. guess that's true. You yeah. can build a you can you avoid could keep the Packers your shirt and jacket on. Yeah, You're right about the scheduling. The Bills <laughs> are going to have to have home games in December and January. Yeah. They're going to. Yeah. But there were a ton of fans with their shirts off in Buffalo. Well, they're tough. Uh-huh. The Bills Mafia is a special group. Yeah. I went to college with a Bills fan and because he was from Buffalo and man, he was so passionate about the yes. Bills. I mean, it was just like the Bills were life and death to him. We had a photographer channel two like that. We had an intern who now works down at Dixie State, soon to be Utah Tech. And it was, you know, such a smaller they're, area. They're hardcore. Those Bills fans are all the way in. Jamar Chase putting on a show. 11 catches, 266 yards, three touchdowns. I thought I was watching the Rose Bowl again. You know, Joe Burrow putting on a show, Joe too. Joe Burrow and Jamar matter. Chase. Yeah. Now, the third one was busted coverage. I don't know where the safety was going. You can see him running up, and Chase is running by him like, well, this is going to be easy. Yeah, but Burrow's looking like a superstar. They won that division, right? Because they did. They clinched, clinched AFC it. North yep. with the come-from-behind 34-31 win over the Chiefs. The timing is good. You got Ben... Roethlisberger on the way out, and yep. then you got all sorts of injuries at quarterback there for uh, Baltimore. Yep. So they take advantage of it. Cincinnati is all set. They've just yeah. got seating to wrap up now. They play Cleveland in the final week of the season. And what a blip Cleveland was last year making the playoffs and right back to the bottom. Cardinals beat the Cowboys. The Cardinals could be playing the Cowboys again in the playoffs in two weeks. That could be the five seed versus the four seed. It's not set for sure. But I think if you look at probable results this weekend, there's a decent chance that's how it'll play out. Uh, I don't know. Rams got uh, the Rams got the Niners. Niners, and who wins if they're tied between the Rams and the Cardinals? I believe the Rams do. Do they? I will check that and make sure for so you. So then they've clinched the division because that. I worst. thought I they saw an all... X next to their name. That's what I'm going. Well, on. I'm is it a, double check? Is right it now. X for playoff? No, nope, it's playoffs. It's not. It's not clinched. Right, yet. That's what is I thought. Z is for. Uh, so division. if the Niners yeah. can go down to L.A. and beat the Rams, then the Cardinals win and get the division title. I don't know that. Do you know that? It, well, if they didn't win it on the tie, it would already be a Z next uh, to the Rams. They have a. Clinch. Well, they got to beat Seattle, who went nuts 
offensively. Sure, 51-29 over the Lions, but those are the Lions. They're terrible. They sleep tonight. Yeah, they're terrible. You didn't get that line sleep tonight? I did. A wee a wee a wee I did get it, thank you. <laughs> the, uh, a lot of teams are not in, but set themselves up with wins. The chart, fact, most chart, teams aren't in. Most teams are eliminated, but there's the teams <laughs> on the bubble in between. Well, you said a lot of teams aren't in. The Chargers, Actually, most of them aren't. Chargers beat the Broncos. The Raiders kicked the last thing of field goal to win, so now the Chargers and Raiders play, and whoever wins gets an AFC wildcard berth. That's the Sunday night game. Uh, next Sunday. Well, I expected the Chargers to win for sure. Denver's. I didn't watch a second of Denver's that game. Big time. That was yeah. a crappy game. I know you like to defend it, but it was no, a crappy game. No, it was a crappy game. game, and I wish they hadn't died. Uh, I wish they. But I did. Kansas I City. did not have the Raiders winning. Yeah, that was a little bit of a surprise, and that was good because they blew the lead, gave up the field goal, but went right back down the field and got the field goal to win the game. So that was good. Colts did not look good, and they had won eight out of ten, but. That was a good win for the Raiders. Yeah, I think yeah, it was yeah. a great win. Are you kidding yeah. me? On the road? Yep. And I was grateful that they were on the road, too, so I didn't have to drive in Vegas. Drive through the Vegas traffic and have a Legion Stadium <laughs> dumping 50,000 people in front of you? Yes, I actually <laughs> checked it. I told my wife as we were, got on I-15, I said, could you check and see if the Raiders are home today? Uh, so I know what's going yeah. to be ahead. And she said, they're playing the, at the Coles. I said, sweet. Then we don't have to worry about that. <clears throat> Saints beat the Panthers 18-10. to They get in if they win next week. They're playing the Falcons. And if the Eagles lose to the Cowboys or the Niners lose, that can open the door for the Saints. So they need a win and help. You see the funny thing with the uh, Eagles? They look terrible. So they win the ball game, and Hurts is coming off the field, and people are reaching out to him of the tunnel, and they have the little... Battle railing there, and it breaks, and they fall over. Yeah, and then Hertz and they're posing for pictures with them. He stops, he picks them up, and puts the arms around them, and And then more people are jumping down to be a part of it. And all of a sudden, the guys in the yellow coats are starting to panic. Wait a minute! And meanwhile, he's like, "Yeah, whatever." And they're trying to push him away, and he's got a big grin on his face, just looking. Sure, I'll pose for pictures. Why not? Washington's just a mess, man. The stadium breaks. I mean, the railing's giving way under fans. There's a ton of Eagle fans there because it's, it's not that close. long a trip, oh, right? And hours. they're easy. There were tons of open seats. Yeah. When the cameras panned the stadium, there was nobody at that game. And the Eagles nearly messed it up. They kicked a couple of late field goals, and Washington got down to the 20-yard line, was throwing the ball in the end zone in the final 30 seconds. They got a pick to win the game. I told you a while back, I have family of family. So, I mean, in-laws, their family. Mm-hmm. They have uh, season tickets to the Eagles and the Ravens. Family, family, I like that. Because they just go south or just go across the bridge. Yeah. Depending on uh, who's home. Which way the game is. Yeah. Who's got the better game. Yeah. They're both home. Because he's from, she's from the South Jersey area. He's from uh, the uh, Maryland area. And so that's, every, I mean, everything is just jammed in there. So, yeah. But it just cracked me up. Uh, what, I actually thought it was great. Instead of being uh, put off by the fans... Hurts smiling, taking oh, pictures yeah, yeah. with him. He just totally rolled with it. <laughs> now they won, so it's. But still, how many guys would have stopped there? Yeah, and, and you see the railing go down. Smile. That looked like a scary situation. I mean, people could. Yeah, have been he turned hurt. around. He saw that they're okay. There's a guy laying at his feet. Yeah, I know. He just fell right, right at his feet. Uh, are you buying the Titans as the best in the AFC? If they beat the Houston Texans next next week, they will be the one seed, and the Chiefs would be the two, even if Kansas City wins next week. They could be getting Derrick Henry back. They have a bye week. 
There's all kinds of talk about him coming back now. Will he be Derrick Henry conditioning? Will he wear down over a game? You know, there's all kinds of stuff that could go wrong. I get that. To but, me, the Chiefs are more of a proven product, so yep. I'd, I'd go with them. And I know they lost to Cincinnati. It seemed like there was 42 penalties until they got uh, the, the winning score. But well, Yeah, not, th- not kicking the field goal down there, going for it on fourth down. I didn't see what was going on. It didn't make any sense to it me. It didn't either. Oh, but then, then when, once Burrow got hurt, then there was no uh, doubt about it. Now, right. hopefully his injury is not anything long-term. Uh, but I right now... I would go KC, but I don't think there's a clear, overwhelming favorite in KC either, by a nose. either conference, which as a fan is great. M- makes that me... As a fan of the NFL, not a fan of one of those teams. Yeah. I'm yeah. sure the Packers and Chiefs want to be runaway favorites. Of course. Yeah, you'd rather, if you're a fan of those teams, you want them to be dominant. But I don't see it. If, uh, if I were the, the Packers in the one seed, and I assume that they the Packers will be looking at for the purposes of discussion, the winner of the 4-5 game between Dallas and Arizona, although that's not totally set, I would way rather play Dallas than Arizona. Really? Arizona's got like a wild card element to me. Like they could they could go off. Uh, Dallas what, feels like Green Bay will beat what's Dallas. What's Hopkins' status? I don't know. What, what would his status be for that game? That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I, uh, that's so far out I don't know. He's a player. Big time. Make time. And I just feel like Arizona has a wild card, unpredictable element. I feel like Green Bay had beat them three out of four or four out of five. But you don't have to. Yeah. But that one time, could Arizona pull it off? Murray can get hot, hit on a couple big pass plays, run for another one or two, and they could get you. Uh, but, but tell the, me, if Hopkins is playing, then I agree with you that much more. But the Cowboys, it feels like they'll go up there and get beat. They're not that good. They're, they're good to a degree. They are playoff good. They are a legit playoff team. I don't believe the Cowboys are in the playoffs only because they're NFC East. They're clearly the best team in the NFC East. But outside, then they're just kind of 500-ish, which, quite frankly, is going to get some other teams into the playoffs. I mean, yeah, it's not like the Eagles, the Niners, teams, though. the Chargers, or the Raiders are all that special. But, they, but I don't think any of those teams would go into Green Bay and go into Lambeau and beat the Packers. I wouldn't pick the Chargers uh, there. I wouldn't pick the Niners there. I wouldn't pick the Raiders there. No, but I w- I'm not going to say it's because of the venue. No, that, it's that, Green that Bay's better. Green Bay's better, especially at home. And Rodgers has an axe to grind against the world. Yes. Now, you get to the conference final, Tampa Bay might go in there and win again. The Rams might go in there. Stanford, or Stafford was way loose with the ball yesterday. He got it together and won the game. Big completions to OBJ on fourth down, and then for the touchdown on the next play to win the game 20-19. to But they were only in that hole because he threw a pick six, and then he threw another pick, and then the fumble was really soft. He leads the league in most pick sixes. And we've talked a lot of Rose Bowl this morning. Uh, the game was disappointing. The only way to win that was, well, the offense going quiet in the third quarter was a big issue, and it's getting overlooked because everybody looks at the end of the game. Should the Utes have scored so quick? But did they want to put more pressure on an inexperienced quarterback who made a couple of big throws and a big run there on that drive to get that tying touchdown? Should they have gone for two? Should they have onsides a kickoff? Should they have let him score? Those are all low-percentage moves. And Kyle played the percentages, but he didn't have the better cards. Ohio State had the better hand. It's tied. Either score and win, or you go to overtime, so a little bit of the pressure's off. Two minutes and one timeout with their big play potential, they can go down the field, and they did. 
I don't have a problem with anything that Utah did as far as strategy-wise. I do wonder if they went for two and got it, would that may have added a sense of extra pressure on Ohio State because it's much easier to make the shot when the game is tied yes, as opposed to when you're behind and it's a win or lose. They knew that they had OT. They had at least one more possession no matter what happened there. I wonder if they had some two-point play they had a ton of confidence in because the problem with going for two is you're not likely to run for it. They're expecting it. You're not running the ball well on that drive. And if you're throwing it, you're putting all the pressure on a guy who did just throw a touchdown pass. It's probably feeling great, but obviously he's wildly inexperienced. Yeah, but in short yardage situations, man, with those tight ends that they've got, and big and again, maybe you got to play you really love. Yeah, Ludwig's at the top of his game. I wouldn't have minded it. I don't know what makes a difference though. They still could have gone down the field and scored a touchdown Easy. and won the game or kicked a field goal and won the game. Right. Yeah. So I don't know that it matters. They said all of these are – all of the things that could have happened, I think, are low-percentage moves, and I get why Kyle didn't want to do them, but it just felt like they probably needed to do a low-percentage move because if you're playing the percentages, well, the percentages also say Ohio State's going to go down the field and well, kick a field goal and win. It's easy to say now, but it was – But you thought the same thing at then. the time. I was standing on Utah's sideline, and I felt like – spe- once they returned the kickoff virtually to midfield, like, oh, they are done. Yeah. We know how this is going to end. Unless the only thing I was thinking, hoping for them, was a holding penalty to put them in a and then in a maybe, bad down and distance. Yeah, and right. maybe a third and fourth and long, and maybe that was the way. But that never materialized. Ohio State did a great job at the line of scrimmage, despite the fact they were missing a defensive lineman and an offensive lineman. Can you say the Utes won the line of scrimmage in that game? No. They didn't get enough pressure on well, the quarterback. Well, 48-45. I don't know anybody's winning it. <laughs> okay. Uh, and they each were basically gifted a touchdown, so you cancel that out. The drop, punt, the kick, return. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't know that there was anything dominant there. I think that uh, probably the edge to Ohio State, because they won the game and they got the sack, uh, fumbled, smack on the head for rising and it didn't seem like Stroud ever got his shirt dirty. Dirty. Right. Huge fourth down stop for Ohio State on Keithy. That was a big one. The Utes not scoring before the half after the fumble into the end zone. Chance to go up three scores at some point with Ohio State. They were never quite out of it. Two scores is bad, but when your office is that explosive, you're not out of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, but you had a long way to go. I mean, you could yeah. argue that Ohio State, without those two turnovers, I mean, they run, they win going away because they're fumbling in the end zone, throw a pick in the end zone. Yep. Go back and forth. But nevertheless, my thought today is rather than obsess about this or that, relish the experience. The awesome complete, season, capped by an awesome game. And the just being down there in the Rose Bowl, going to the parade, blah, 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 blah. To me, if I'm a Ute fan, rather than focusing on that downer of an end of the game loss, I would focus on the experience from when the time I got up, or maybe even the day before, or whenever you got down there. It depends on when you got down there. But certainly from the time you got up to the time you went to bed, you had one of the better times that you had in all of 2021. And then 2022, I guess, because it's actually January 1. I look at it as the 2021 season. Kyle always talks about 90% of the deal is recruiting, and winning is a lot of what you you build off of. Obviously, winning is great for recruiting, uh-huh. clearly. But 
I think the run that they got on social media, the way people felt watching the game, and I do think that part of it is that there were a lot of eyeballs on the Rose Bowl. There were a lot of eyeballs the day before in the semifinals, and I think everybody who isn't an Alabama or Georgia fan was disappointed by the semifinals. They were not competitive. They were not dramatic. Unfortunately, I'm an Alabama fan. They were blowouts, and you knew in the second quarter who was going to win the game. And then you got the Rose Bowl, which was a great show, and there were plenty of great shots of the Utah bench celebrating, the Utah fans going nuts. Coaches ought to be able to recruit off of that. Yeah, in a sense, you know, letting uh, the offense cutting loose like that kills some of the... Uh, don't, don't go there as yeah. a wide receiver. You can't make a big play. Yeah, look at them throwing it all over the place. And it's still Utah, still viewed as somewhat of the little guy in Ohio State's the beast and all that stuff. And you went toe-to-toe with them, and they kick a field goal with under 10 seconds to go. All right, and you lose the game. Such a rare experience. When do they get back? You never know. Could it be next year, a decade, two decades? Ohio State is basically going once a decade. Twice in some decades. But over the last four or five, they and, and partly well, it's yeah, a playoff. playoff. They're missing because they're going I mean, to the, the playoff. last two years, they went to the playoff. Yep. And, and this would have been their third year in a row. But this was their 16th appearance, uh, which I think SC's doubled that. Uh, so, yeah. The dudes were the new guy on the stage. See what they can do, man. Yep. Should be good again next year. And we talked a little jazz with Steve Cleveland. If you missed any of this, you want to hear the Rose Bowl talk wherever you get podcasts. You can hear our show. The interviews are broken out separately by Yach, but you can also just listen to the whole show hour after hour. Uh, and Jake came in. You guys took calls. Old school this morning. Well, the Utes fans' passion for this is part of the deal. So good to hear from the fans who were down at evident. the game. and. I called in. Your feedback, we got a lot of you tweeting at us, a lot of you uh, hitting us up on Facebook, and we'll get to that next. Stay with us. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. DJ PK, it is time for your feedback. And there is a lot of, uh, there's a lot of feedback here from people. Brett, great game, exclamation point. Yes. Then there is also some back and forth between the fans. Oh, shut up on this one. Come <laughs> on. Some BYU fans are making fun of Utah for losing. Do you know number 6 Ohio State? You know BYU lost to an unranked UAB. Okay, these two teams both made a lot of hay on the, on the Pac-12. In their, in their Pac-12 games, the Utes uh, 9-1. BYU 5-0, so that's 14-1. That's good. They were a combined six and six in their non-pac twelve games, and they both have a uh, they both have a Big Sky win in there. So four and six if you throw out the Big Sky and the Pac twelve, and that is why the coaches tell you at BYU there is work to be done on the move to the Big Twelve. And I think there was a uh, stat I saw which I will never dig up. Maybe maybe Yach would dig this up. But that Ohio State had 65 players who were four or five star recruits, and the Utes had 17. Oh yeah, the sports pack, the Pac-12 sports. Did they tweet that out? I thought 17 yeah. was high for the Utes. Sports, I didn't know the Utes Pac-12 had that many. Had that one up. Yeah, but Utah's had a nice uptick in they recruiting. They have. Recently. I still didn't know. I Talk to me about 17. NFL guys, though. Yes, yeah, right. That's a better. If you're a three star <laughs> guy who makes it to the NFL, who cares? that means somebody screwed up the stars. I trust or the NFL, d- or you developed. Or you developed. Right? Yeah. I mean. They, 
So the star maybe at the time, you may be a legitimate three-star in high school because you haven't hit whatever level of fully developed you're going to get. And obviously in college, they can develop you. This is basically yeah, a full-time gig. and you put on weight gig. at that point. Yeah. yeah. So that doesn't necessarily mean you were misstarred, so to speak. Uh, but yeah, talk to me about the NFL players. Now, Ohio State, they put out a thing, I read it. 51 guys active in the NFL at the time they put it out at the end of the season. And that was second to Alabama at 53. And well, what does that say? Oh, wait. I think I know what that says. Of course we know what it says. <laughs> <laughs> and plus, too, you know, you, know you, you can get somebody who might be on the bench who's an NFL kid and he hasn't developed into an NFL guy and he's a year away from really taking off. Uh, so... I just think that they got beat by a, an incredible quarterback. I mean, really, really, really good quarterback. Great quarterback. I don't even need good anymore. And I'll, I, I actually, I'm not a Ohio State guy by any stretch, but I look forward to watching this kid. Well, there's already a lot of talk about what NFL teams should uh, be doing in the draft, especially the bottom third of the league. And there's essentially, I mean, there's 32 starting quarterbacks in the NFL. But there's really 15 to 20 starters. Roethlisberger's in the middle of the league, and everybody thinks he should hang it up, and I think he probably thinks he should hang it up, and he probably will. And there's some young guys in the bottom half are developing. It's too early. They're in the first or second year, and it's too early to say if, if they're it or not. But for the 68 teams who clearly need a quarterback... Oh, I would draft Shroud like Red Allback did with Larry Bird. They and just wait for him for a year. <laughs> That's not legal, lady. You can't do that. Why it would, not? It'd be good if you could, because he's not draft or, eligible. Because he hasn't done his three years yet. Yeah. Tell him I've screw you. I'm not coming out. I'm going to play this next year. Draft him now. Okay. But the thought for these teams is that this draft doesn't have quarterbacks, and the next draft does. So get your D lineman or your O lineman or whoever linebacker, whatever. At the top of this draft, get your quarterback next draft, and you know one of the quarterbacks they're talking about is Stroud. Clearly. He's all that. He really is, man. And we will see that on the draft boards as soon as we get past this draft and the draft boards come out for the next one. Yeah. Because he's got it. Like like you said, he's totally comfortable in the pocket, no happy feet, and if the pocket does start to collapse, he's mobile. It's the best combination. Touch, strength. The last touchdown pass Proverbial was make all the on the money. Yeah, What a great throw and a great catch. Defender had no chance. You would have had to be seven feet tall with the broom or something like they used to, basketball coaches used to pretend the seven, they got a seven-foot shot blocker in there, give yeah. some kid a broom. Uh-huh. That's what a defensive back would have needed to break that play up. Some of the early ones were just blown coverage guys running wide open. But that one... That was that was a big time throw. He was brilliant. He's fun to watch, and even in for defeat from the Utes. Brant with a backhanded compliment. Can't wait for the Pac-12 to be so historically bad again that Utah can actually win another title. Great season, though. Brant raining just, on the parade. I, I just don't think today's the day. All that Utah went through. Jimmy says the depth of the top programs is insane. Two first round wide receivers sat out, and two studs took their spots. Yeah, the other guy actually had more receiving yards than the other two, so it's not right. like he took their spot. No. He was already their top leading receiver. Yes. But Marvin Harrison Jr. took the spot. He took the opportunity and ran with it. Uh, Scored three he, touchdowns. He caught with it. And caught with it. Uh, I think that Stroud chose to go to him, but maybe because he chose him because he was open. 
Salt Lake Jake gets the last word. It was an amazing experience, worth every second and every penny. It's what I've been talking about for a decade. We'll leave it right there. We will see you tomorrow. Jake and Ben are up next here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone.